lots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me having a rally yesterday. Oh, beautiful. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. Good morning to you too, my friends. Good morning to you too. Oh, you know what? Um, oh, what's, what, so, oh, was that Ben's, Ben, uh, did you, did you, the, I, okay, so yesterday, yesterday morning, I was the recipient of two cups of coffee. One was from Mark Kaysen. The other one was from Ben Murphy. And I think Ben got me, I don't know. I thought I had two cups of black coffee. So I thought, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to then just drink one cup because all I needed was one cup because it was a bit it was big, and then I would I would save the other one for today. 
I would just save the other one for 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 today. That's what I would do. I would just have the other one um, as my cup of coffee today, and just not worry about having to get another cup of coffee this morning. And I'm not really that much of a stickler about coffee, so I thought, well, um, I'll just save it. I don't care about how old coffee is. Coffee to me doesn't need to be uh, old. And uh, Father Tom, yeah, it contained a liberal laxative called BS. I guess so. So, uh, by the way, I gotta go out. I gotta go out and get my uh, glasses in the Jeep because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna regale you with an official 2018 Democratic Party survey. But I think I'm gonna have to go out to the Jeep and get some gla- my glasses because uh, I I think I'm gonna need those for uh, to uh, to read that my readers. But uh, Ben Murphy got me a cup of coffee, and Mark got me a cup of coffee, and it was very nice of them. Ben just dropped it by the studio, which I really appreciated. But one of them gave me black coffee, and the other one gave me uh, something else because I thought it was black. I didn't check it, so I thought, well, I'll just save it for this morning. And then I I drink it, and um, holy moly, it's got like ice cream in it or something. It's like a it's like a coffee milkshake. What is that? Which one of you gave me the the coffee milkshake, and which one of you gave me straight black coffee? And I, I can't figure out what it is. So I my efforts to uh, you know save some time and and do all that kind of stuff did turn into uh, there's uh, no no Richard no pumpkin spice dude I'm not I am not. I am not in on the pumpkin spice, man. Don't just give me black coffee that. Yeah, it's a latte, Father Tom. But whatever it is. um, And I'm not I'm not trying to be an ingrate, but uh, I can't. Oh, so Ben. So you know what? So I figured as much. So Kaysen got me the latte. I can't believe this. Had I known because I I didn't know which one was which. So, yeah, like a Frappuccino. I didn't know which one was which, so I just went ahead and and, uh, opened one while Mark was here and just was drinking the black one. And it just happens that my luck, it was the black one. And I I then saved, apparently, Cason's for today. And it was, was, um, that's nasty, man. I said, I don't mean to be an ingrate. I mean, it's, I didn't. He got it for me, and I appreciate him getting me coffee. But uh, that's some nasty ass coffee right there, man. I'm sorry to say. Uh, yeah, Tom, you can't. Be, Father Tom can't handle black. I I love black coffee. I actually love iced coffee. And Julie is suggesting actually that I t- switch to iced tea, which is probably true. I actually like iced tea uh, a little bit more. Than coffee, uh, really like iced tea. Actually, I well here, Julie. Here's here's what I like about iced tea. I actually not only drink iced tea regularly, but I also happen to drink iced tea with gin. I make these uh, ice picks. They're called, you know, with the with vodka and the, the ice pick is vodka and iced tea, and the uh, the 
I, oh yeah, the dairy product probably spoiled in the coffee. I don't know. Whatever it is, I saved it. I didn't. I wouldn't have saved it had I not known. Had I known it was not black coffee, I wouldn't have saved it till today. But that's some nasty ass coffee. I don't know how people drink that stuff. I don't mean to be an ingrate, but that's a waste of money too, uh, Mark Kaysen. But what do you? Uh, but but uh, liberals waste money all the time. So whatever. But thank you for the effort. No, thus, my coffee is black. It's black. Black is the night with the moon shining bright. That's how I like my coffee. So the iced tea is, uh, I, I, yeah, Julie, iced coffee is really good. I, li- I like coffee. Co- I, I like coffee cold. I don't like it really hot. Anyway, so iced tea. Just to, to make a long story short, because I have stuff that I've, I've got to do. Uh, and yeah, Dan, unsweetened iced tea too, because no sweet tea for me. So, and, and Julie, I know you're probably a sweet tea person, being from the Carolinas, but I'm a. Uh, I'm a I'm a unsweetened tea, but anyway, I put uh, so the ice pick is a is a iced tea and vodka and a little bit of splash of lemonade. Uh, it's otherwise known as an Arnold Palmer without the vodka. It's a John Daly with the vodka, and you can understand why they call it the John Daly with the vodka. So I just switched it up, and I put tea, I put uh, I put gin. In, in it, in iced tea and a little bit of lemonade. So it's kind of like a John Daly with gin. So I like, I do drink a lot of iced tea. Remember my mom used to make iced tea and it was sun tea. And she'd sit it out there in the, uh, in the, in the, in the sun and it w- would uh, just be delicious. Put a little mint in there. My mom grew mint. And so put a little mint in the tea. Do people grow mint anymore? Those were the days when people smoked on airplanes and grew mint. That's right. Cooked with mint. Mint is actually a uh, in the basil family, just so you know. And, and cooking with mint is awesome. I've, I cook with mint uh, in uh, in fish. Uh, mint and fish go go well together too. All right. So, uh, by the way, Chris G. Steamfitter Chris is watching. Uh, if you can, Chris, on the feed, I, I posited this yesterday, uh, and, and I, I, in talking with Jim Hoft about the voting. And by the way, Jim Talent's going to be joining us later on. Uh, Judge Napolitano had to cancel uh, for some reason. Uh, they didn't. They, they don't normally give me a reason, but he had to. He had to clear out for today. I think he has a speaking engagement sometime this morning, so uh, he had to beg out. But anyway, I uh, steam fit a Chris. Yeah, we're supposed to go fishing soon. But I, I said this yesterday. I didn't want to put words into your mouth. But we were talking about the uh, the midterms, and I was trying to tell people that the idea of like for instance a union guy who was who voted for president trump and who was seeing all of the fantastic developments as it relates to the economy including the fantastic developments of yesterday and sunday which we talked about with jim hoft by the way did you notice he did get some play on fox news but but didn't get hardly any other play on any other stations about the reworking of NAFTA. I mean, which is something, by the way, uh, Barack Obama and the rest of the gang, they, they were, they, they, Obama! they, they were the ones who ran on repealing NAFTA. I hope you know, do you realize that both Barack Obama and Hillary and the rest of the crew, they all ran on repealing NAFTA, which is what exactly President Trump did when he got into office, which is exactly what happened. They reworked it. They tweaked it a little bit. And now it's a different formulation, uh, and it includes Canada and Mexico, obviously. 
But interesting that that uh, that they're not getting. Is Obama going to congratulate President Trump on this? Is he going to come out and 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 laud President Trump for the uh, the move he made regarding this trade deal? Of course not. But I will tell you that President Trump will be rewarded by many of the people, oftentimes people who usually voted Democrat, and Chris Chris is one of them. Uh, he'll be rewarded for it. Uh, again, he'll be lauded for it by them and may be rewarded for it in the midterms. And and here's the reason why this is so important. The midterms, uh, if you if you want to look at it this way, is a referendum on President Trump. And if it's a referendum on President Trump, then it's another red wave because President Trump has done wonders for this economy and the economy matters to people a lot. And it matters to people like Chris, who is a who is a tradesman. He's a steam fitter. And to me, the idea of somebody who is a tradesman or a union person who voted for President Trump, the idea of them going back to the polls in November and voting to install Democrats in who will dismantle the progress that President Trump has made – it seems to be something that I can't fathom that happening. So I can't fathom this idea of a red wave. I mean, I'm sorry, a blue wave. And, you know, Chris is pointing out that the right to work thing uh, was troublesome to them, a, a large part with Missouri Republicans. And, and I totally understand that. But they're not going to go back to the polls, though, and, and try to install people who are going to get in the president's way. It doesn't stand to reason. Common sense will tell you that. President Trump in Tennessee yesterday, by the way, there's a little bit of controversy now. Apparently, President Trump has mo- mocked a female reporter. Apparently, nowadays, you can't talk back to blacks and you can't talk back to women if you're a white guy or you will automatically be called racist or you'll automatically be called sexist. So that's that's kind of the rule out there guys in case you have been trying to uh, you have your score sheet and you're trying to keep score, you have your little play because yeah, cuz guys carry around a little bit of a booklet you keep it in your back pocket, you know. And you pull it out and, and just to just to uh figure out like what your what your proper role is, what your proper language you use is. So you got to keep it in your in your back pocket like I do, and then you pull it out and say, let's see, uh, what is my rule regarding my interaction with women? Let's see. I can't uh, disagree with them or I am sexist. Okay, good. I'll make sure I – before I start here. And put, you put it back in your back pocket and that's your, that's your marching order for the, for, the, for the time. I mean, honestly, people, unbelievable. We'll, we'll follow up on that. But meanwhile, President Trump in Tennessee, there's a pretty big uh, race there. Uh, particularly in, involving uh, Marsha Blackburn and a, a Senate race there that is ultimately important. So he is there stumping for her. And it was a it was an interesting rally. President Trump, again, loving, loving all, the, loving all the people they won't- and, and 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 the people love him. And every time we had to have these rallies, uh, people are lined up around the side of the place. And it is unbelievable the love that many people in so-called flyover country uh, actually have for the for the president, and and he was rocking it yesterday. And so I'm going to bring you highlights of that uh, from Tennessee. In the meantime, so 
he's talking about this trade issue. He's talking about the trade issue in the Rose Garden. And there is a reporter named Cecilia Vega. And she decides she's going to start pestering the president. And, and that's okay. These reporters all will do that. And they all kind of get into uh, it with him at times. But the reporters always come across like they uh, they have power over him. They always come across like he's always inferior to them. And I don't think they have to act inferior to him, but they get up there and they're so pompous and they're so arrogant. And uh, this is Cecilia Vega with ABC. And this exchange happened and the president's being accused now of, uh, of somehow insulting her uh, by daring to say, hey, you know what? Why don't you give me like a clear question? Why don't you give me Tell me what it is that you want to know, and I'll tell you. Because the president is not not open to all of this. Sure. She's shocked that I picked her. No. She's like in a state of shock. I'm not thinking, Mr. That's president. That's okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. I'm sorry? No, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, he, he has a, an angst towards the media, and... Come on. I mean, as as gratuitously as these reporters approach him, I, I don't – and listen, as harsh as he's been on on guys, I mean, come on. But the president has been – has ridden Jim Acosta like a rented mule half the time. He calls out male reporters all the time. So, I mean, I don't know why – you know, I, I don't know why uh, – I don't know why this is different. And I guess it's different because she's a woman. But <laughs> Sorry, but it's funny. That's funny right there. That's some funny stuff right there. Listening to President Trump get in on her. Cecilia Vega. <laughs> no, but seriously, how, how often has he uh, attacked guys? And he does it all the time. In fact, he's harder on guys than he is on women. So, yeah, here. <laughs> Hold on. Let me just play it again. She's shocked that I picked her. <laughs> I'm in a state of shock. I'm not thinking, Mr. That's President. That's okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. In a tweet this weekend, Mr. President, you said... And by the way, this is an ongoing thing with Cecilia Vega... And the president, she's I don't know whether you've really uh, paid attention or, or do on all levels to these news conferences and uh, and the Cecilia Vega, Donald Trump back and forth is one that is oftentimes uh, tense, tense. And and she oftentimes is angry and she's. Not very polite. And so this is kind of an ongoing thing with these two. And so that's how that's how this comes about. People, this is not just, you know, him, uh, you know, just gratuitously attacking her. They have an ongoing relationship that uh, got a little jocular there in the, uh, in, in, in the, in the Rose Garden. She's shocked that I picked her. No. It's like in a state of shock. I'm not thinking, Mr. That's President. That's okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. 
In a tweet this weekend, Mr. President, you said that it's incorrect to say you're limiting the scope of the FBI investigation. What does that have to do with trade? I don't mind answering the question, but, you know, I, I'd like to do the trade It has to do with the other right? headline in the news, which is the Kavanaugh I know, but, I know, but how about talking about trade, and then we'll get to that. We'll do that a little bit later. Do you think the trade— Anybody have a trade? Do you Go think ahead, your trade please. deal will pass through Congress, sir? Uh, I think so, but, you know, if it doesn't, we have lots of other alternatives. But I do think so. I think if they're fair— which is a big question, but if it's fair on both sides, the Republicans love it, uh, industry loves it, our country loves it. Uh, if it's fair, it will pass. I think it'll pass easily, really easily, because it's a great deal. I mean, NAFTA passed. It's one of the worst deals I've ever seen. Inconceivable that it was made. Fair question. Any other questions Thank on trade? You. I'll get back to you on the other I, question. I'd like to go forward with my Kavanaugh question. Let's do that later, and we'll, so, but I'll so, call you a second time. Go ahead, please. Thank you very much. Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't, she forgot that she doesn't run, she doesn't run the news conference, and the president was right to actually, it wasn't, he didn't, wasn't asking much by just simply desiring that she keep the questions to trade at the time. The president, it'd be different if the president was one of those guys who had news conferences and just walked away. But the president has these news conferences that last 45 to 50 minutes. The guy is unbelievably accessible to people. And, and, and she's, she, you know, so, so for her just to get up there with all these people standing around him, uh, talking about trade and everything else, for her just to get up there and decide she's going to use the floor, the first question of the news conference practically, to ask a question about Kavanaugh when this trade deal clearly affects certainly more people than anything going on with Kavanaugh right now. And she doesn't ask, ask a question about the trade issue. They're having this event for the trade issue. It's in the Rose Garden. This is, this is not a news conference per se, as in like open-ended, and, and, and he has those all of the time. I mean, he, this guy is completely accessible. He has no apologies to make for his accessibility. He's constantly available to reporters. And so the idea somehow that that she has to get this in before the news conference ends, first of all, is ridiculous. And so, yeah, uh, he doesn't have to answer that question about Kavanaugh. And yeah, he's going to he's going to take a side swipe to her. If you you're, you're all grown ups here for crying out loud. But there we are with the news media that, you know, President Trump insults ABC reporter Cecilia Vega. And, and this guy has been like this with guys constantly. Why he can't be that way with women is another story. But again, uh, President Trump, you need to keep that, that little pamphlet in your back pocket that, that dictates how you operate. And then uh, you, can, you can figure it out. But apparently you can't be jocular uh, or, 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 and you can't give – uh, you, you can't be joking with women in this realm here. I mean, he didn't say like nice dress, by the way. I mean, you, you know, he wouldn't do that. But but he was, you know, kind of up in her on that. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it's about time. You also see, by the way, uh, Jeff Greenfield. Uh, Jeff Greenfield is the guy. His his daughter was the one uh, who who was having sex with Jeffrey Tubin and she's the one who was was impregnated by Tubin and she's the one that Tubin Tubin wanted to uh Tubin wanted her to have an abortion and when she didn't 
Tubin decided that he was going to threaten her and tell her that he wasn't going to pay for the baby. And then when she went ahead and had the baby, he declined to give her any money for the baby. And Tubin was the one who wound up on being sued by her. This was about eight years ago. And then winds up in this situation uh, on the TV He's the main analyst for the CNN network, and he's the main analyst who is, who is out there talking about how President Trump's a misogynist. It's like, really, dude? You, you, you impregnate your girlfriend while you're married, and then you beg her to have an abortion. You offer to pay for it. She doesn't have the abortion. She has the baby. Then you say, well, then I'm, if you have the baby, I'm not paying for it. Then you got to get sued and, and, and Trump's the misogynist. Anyway, Jeff Greenfield is on there uh, with uh, ah, 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 Ted, Tur- ah, Ted Turner. And they're talking about how the CNN is actually way too political. So we're going to carry that for you. Jim Talent's going to be on with us in just a little bit. And then I got a survey. Uh, Angie, a friend of ours, uh, gave me this uh, – this survey that she got in the mail, the official 2018 Democratic Party survey. And you should see uh, the questions on this survey because, and I'm going to read them to you once I actually get my readers so I can see. I got to go uh, out to my Jeep and, and grab the readers. But, but uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and I feel like I'm, I want to fill it out, but it has uh, Angie's name on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take the liberties there. Uh, and also, uh, Judge Napolitano, who was supposed to be on with us, is uh, is not able to make it uh, today. He's got a he's got a an issue he has to deal with, so uh, he won't be on with us at seven twenty after all. But we will be here anyway with Radio Free Almond live from the Discovery Design Studios, DiscoveryDesignInc.com. And now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Lending has millions of dollars available with mortgage rates in the threes. Pay off high interest credit cards. 
eliminate PMI, fix up your home. You could even skip two months of mortgage payments. And if we can't close your loan, the appraisal is no charge. Call 314-567-GOLD. 567-GOLD. Golden Oak Land Insured by Blue. NMLS 114937, 111 Westport Plaza, St. Louis, Missouri. Call 567-GOLD. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. Shake, shake, shake it. Thank you, Matt, for this coffee, dude. Matt made me a cup of coffee or a friggin' lake of coffee. Thank you, buddy. Mark Kaysen is on the uh, on the stream now. He's on the uh, he's on the the Facebook page now and um Hey Mark, what were you thinking when you when you got I mean listen, I appreciate the fact that you brought me coffee, so I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be a I don't want to be an ingrate. And you know, I want to be nice. I, you know, when somebody gets you a cup of coffee on their way in, I think I made I made case it even late, so he didn't have to. He could have pretend he didn't hear me. Because I, I mentioned it on the air. I said, you know, uh, and, and I said, hey, uh, Mark, can you grab me a cup of coffee? And so he did, but he was late. And Ben Murphy had come by and given me a cup of coffee. And, it, and, and so I had two here on in front of me. I opened the black coffee, and I said, well, I'll just save this one for tomorrow. And so I saved it for tomorrow in my Jeep. But I got here and opened it up and took a sip of it. I was, like, drinking this coffee milkshake. And it was uh, disgusting. And I'm wondering what Mark did to the coffee. Like, it's weird because... Like, if you don't know, and again, I don't want to sound like an ingrate, but if you don't know, like, what somebody drinks, why would you go all out and put all kinds of stuff in the coffee? Like, like it's one thing to, like, put a little cream in there, but you, but some, like, a candy bar freaking melted in the thing or something. Marcation, what did you, yeah, it was probably spoiled, but it didn't taste spoiled, but, uh, but it, but but whatever you put in the in the coffee, I don't understand why you did that. I don't understand why you would bring me. It was apparently a latte or something, as Father Tom pointed out. Um, but it, but but it was it had it had uh, milk and sugar and it's like 
you, you, you pee in it too? Because, I mean, it just was disgusting. So what did you put in there, Marcation? And I know you're on the Facebook stream, and now it is your obligation to fess up in, in the, uh, at this, uh, this Almond Judiciary hearing in the courtroom. Uh, in the in the radio free almond, uh, yeah, I know it does. Chris, like, it sounds like I'm spoiled. I know. I mean, look look at me biting the hand that feeds me. I'm complaining about coffee that was actually somebody got for me on the way in. Can you believe that? I am an ingrate, Chris. See, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm. You're right. I am. I just was. Well, okay, here's the deal. I appreciate the coffee. Just what was in it? That's all I'm wondering. I just was wondering what the hell was in the coffee. Just saying. All right. So President Trump at the uh, at the rally last night and uh of course you know people just love this guy and uh and and he was uh he was just revving up the troops this is this is uh right in the uh onset to the midterms and there's a claim apparently that somehow uh they're going to uh there's going to be a a blue wave and i and again to my point i just don't know how this is going to play out well for the Democrats when it is a situation where here's a guy just yesterday announced the reformation of NAFTA, which is something Democrats have been campaigning on for heaven knows how long, people. Democrats have been com- campaigning on this uh, for years. And, and in fact, Obama even campaigned on repealing NAFTA. Yeah. I'm wondering when Obama is going to come out and praise President Trump. Oh, come on. Of course not. Why would, why would I expect that he would do that? Come on. You were, you're, you're, you're with, uh, you got together with, this was never going to happen. You got together with, uh, with Canada and Mexico and and you can't rework this deal. You didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. Yeah. Well, he did. And announced it in the Rose Garden yesterday, as I just pointed out, where he insulted the female reporter by being real with her and just hanging out with her. But we'll go back to that if you uh, were entertained by that. So we'll go back to that. But anyway, he announced it yesterday. It's a, it's a huge deal. It's not, gonna, it's not a major reform of NAFTA, but it's a reworking of it to where it becomes a fairer deal for the United States. It, it again, puts America first. And he got Mexico and Canada to go along with it. That's how you work. That's what happens when you're the guy who did the art of the deal. So many things that they said President Trump couldn't do because he didn't have a, you need a magic wand for that. It's like, well, no, you don't. You need a president with some balls. And so we have, uh, we're riding the ship with North Korea. We're riding the ship with Iran. We have a GDP now upwards of four, which people say never would happen. We have tax reform, which people said would never get through. We have businesses that are hiring. We have a comeback, a resurgence of manufacturing. And now we have a brand new deal that every Democrat campaigned for it. And, uh, okay, Original Pancake House has really good coffee. So what, what is in the coffee, Mark? Did you – gas station coffee? I did nothing. Oh, that's even worse then. So you didn't do anything? So the black, did you just get, did you think we were just getting black coffee? Was it in the black coffee spigot or did you go to the, um, to the melted ice cream coffee spigot? Because whatever was in there, I don't, maybe, I don't know what, 
Now I'm worried. You just got just a uh, regular cup, and you thought, and, and it turned out into that monstrosity. I don't know. Anyway, appreciate it. So the president has, has redone uh, NAFTA now, as he promised he would do, and as Democrats had promised they would do, but they never did. And so this idea that Democrats or that people are going to go to to the uh, uh, to the polls and send people to Washington who are going to ultimately uh, rework whatever the president is doing is ridiculous. It, it does it doesn't stand to reason that Americans are going to go back to the polls and unwind. Everything they did in November of 2016. Now, keep in mind, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to the polls. The Democrats are fired up. The people who hate Trump are fired up. They're going to be out there. The people who don't like him are fired up. It's going to be out there. And so we just have to make sure Republicans are out there also. And and if that happens, if we go to the polls the same way we went to the polls in November, there's not a chance in hell there's going to be a blue wave. Who are these people kidding? But you got to be really careful. If there are some Democrats out there who are who are supportive of President Trump's fiscal policies, and they're running against lazy ass Republicans who haven't stood up or we haven't seen hide nor hair of, who aren't speaking or are thinking they're just going to kind of you know uh, sit it out and wait and just kind of take the riches at the polling places, I'm not quite sure that's a guarantee. There are some Republicans who aren't very happy that there aren't vocal Republicans supporting President Trump. And, and they're, they're, it's their vote. They'll do what they want with it. And they could possibly uh, make life miserable for some Republicans. So that's the only Democrat I see getting elected at all is a Democrat who is solidly behind the president's uh, fiscal policies, who is a conservative Democrat and is running against a Republican who hasn't had the guts to come forward and support Kavanaugh, support President Trump and be vocal out there. And we know a lot of those Republicans, don't we? So that's the only way, in my opinion, that you're going to get that uh, that situation. It's the only way, in my opinion, you're going to have the so-called uh, blue wave. And, and even then, it w- won't be a wave at all. It'll be a blue piddle is what it'll be. But for the most part, I do believe that uh, our, our, you know, and, yeah, and Chris is a steam fitter. His unions do support Republicans that support unions. And, and I think that too oftentimes conservatives have been reflexively anti-union. I think that's slowly going away, especially with the leader that we have here in the White House. Because if, if this guy, uh, President Trump, is as pro-labor as you get. And it's not just pro-labor in terms of just union issues. It's pro-labor in terms of putting people to work, getting things done. When the economy booms and when people are building, labor likes that because there are jobs for people then. And they're working. And so the union hall doesn't have a whole lot of full seats anymore of people waiting to get called out for their jobs. And, you know, apprenticeship programs, everything else are booming. So anyway, President Trump, uh, that, that's my side angle on the whole deal regarding the midterm. So don't worry about it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, just make sure you get out there and vote. I know you all are going to be voting. Just make sure you tell all your friends. And a little bit later on, once I get my readers, uh, Angie, who's a friend of ours, did, did, decided to give us the uh, – she got in the mail the official two, 2018 Democratic Party survey. And it is uh, – 
It is a sight to behold. I'm going to uh, get it to you once I get to my readers and I can see something. So I can't, you know, I usually have, you know, I can read it. I can read it, but it's hard for me to read it. And so I have to have uh, glasses to read it. Normally what I do is if I have to have something read, I'll ask one of the kids about it. I'll say, well, can you read that for me? My favorite line is when I have, uh, you know, you like like Aiden would, would like, like if it was a bottle of something or my vitamins or a bottle. I said, what does it say here? He, said, he says, poison. I'm going, oh, good. Thank you. See, so dodged a bullet right there. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, also on my personal page, I don't know whether you guys are able to see that or not. I had a little fun. <laughs> With the uh, <laughs> with the girls and uh, the dial phone and uh, the and Natalie and and so I have I bought a long time ago uh, bought this 1940s era dial phone and uh, it, it it's really cool it's it's heavier it's heavy as hell and it and it's uh, metal and it's super cool and the ring is like loud as all get out. And I should have actually brought it in. I probably could have plugged it in and had it ring here. But it, it, it's really a loud ring. It's like, it's like your typical uh, ring, you know, on a, on a regular phone that you, you all are used to uh, growing up with. And so I decided I was going to call the phone. And, and I think the kids, when they were really little, I had fun with them with it. And they didn't. They, and, but but uh, Natalie was at first trying to to dial the phone. And of course, you know, she's 10 as soon to be 11 and she's never seen anything like that before and never operated it. So she's trying to dial the phone. She's got her fingers over the, the, the dialer and she's trying to move the dialer. And then she suddenly figures out that it's a, uh, it, she puts her finger in the holes and, and, and dials the phone. But it was really kind of uh, fun. You don't realize those little things sometimes that, you know, there are things that uh, if, if you just double back a little bit and you have the time that, that young people, our youngins have uh, never seen before that we just take for granted. Of course, I could probably – half the stuff I own they've never seen before. Hell, I went to a, uh, a museum in Chicago, the Museum of Broadcasting in Chicago. And uh, it's a – keep in mind, this is a museum, okay, of broadcasting. And I, I, I see in the museum there's – there's a equipment that I've worked on. That's when you. That's when you know you're kind of like, oh Lord, I'm 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 look I'm in a museum and I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing p- uh, uh, things in the museum as museum pieces that I've actually operated in my lifetime. Thinking, wow, that's uh, that was a little crazy. All right, so here you go. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, he, uh, he art had a bakelite. Bakelite was an awesome uh, material. Bakelite, uh, the old bakelite. It's hard, hard as a rock, and I don't really even know what it is. Like clay, or I, I couldn't couldn't tell you what it is. But uh, anyway, so here is uh, President Trump at the rally. He covered a, a ton of different issues, and of course, they loved him there. He was there for Marsha Blackburn, and here is uh, here's President Trump. He he likes him some Kanye West. And Kanye West is sticking to his guns, man. He, I think he was um, – I think he was – he's modified his stance on the 13th Amendment, which kind of became a mess anyway. It was a slavery thing. So I, I think he's kind of – sometimes, you know, these guys wander out a little too far. And so he uh, 
he changed his viewpoint of that. But but President Trump, uh, he he was he was very happy. You've heard me say it a lot. I'm very proud of it. African American unemployment. Think of it. African American unemployment just reached the lowest level ever recorded. Right. 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 After years of Democrats failing and abandoning African-Americans, Republicans are delivering for African-Americans like never before. We're doing the job. Yeah, you think you think black people. I mean, obviously, there are some who are going to just simply still buy into this idea that President Trump's a racist or this or that. Uh, I guess there's always that possibility. But you think black people who are working and who are thriving and striving and and seeing their neighbors going to work and suddenly realizing that they have uh, a life now, do you think they're going to go to the polls in November and vote for somebody who is going to purposely roll that back? It's not commonsensical. And you saw that the other night with Kanye West. How good was Kanye West? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's, this, is, this, this is, you know, absolute money when it comes to what President Trump is able to pull off for uh, the black U.S. citizen. And, and, and it's something that Democrats have not been able to do. So I, I, I don't know how there is... There, there, there's there how how there's any other way you can look at this, and and there's just no way someone is going to go to the polls and purposely obliterate and destroy and vote for people who are going to roll all this stuff back. Does it does it make any sense? President Trump also talked about the uh, the trade deal last night, and and Mexico and. Canada. And keep in mind, this is a guy who, by the way, was going to ruin the world. You know that, right? President Trump, we can't trust him. He's going to have his finger on the button. He doesn't get along with any other countries. Oh, really? Is that true? And just today, we made history again when I announced to the world that we are replacing the job-killing disaster known as NAFTA with a brand new U.S.-Mexico Canada, we added Canada, worked out great. Trade agreement. And we're calling it USMCA. No more NAFTA. No more NAFTA. You notice you got the U.S. in it's there the first. It's the largest trade deal the United States has ever negotiated. And it's also a great deal for our country. It's going to produce jobs. And companies aren't going to be leaving and firing everybody and making product and sending it back into the United States. No tax. It's fair, it's modern, and it's balanced. And you know what? We have two wonderful partners now. Now they're partners, Mexico and Canada. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> People like, okay, America's winning again. <laughs> and America is being respected again because we are finally putting... America first. I mean, that's and, and by the way, even in the name of the New Deal, America is first. U.S. The first two letters, U.S. This is a president who, again, has done more 
than Democrats and Republicans combined for the past 25 years. He's done more in two years than they've done in 25, and that certainly Obama could do in eight. Other than opening up the Treasury for this disastrous Obamacare, that's about it. You know, he's gotten more people addicted to government. That, that, that's not, a, that's not a, an accomplishment. But I don't need to tell you that. I, I don't need to explain that. But this is, a, this, is a, this is a really huge deal here. And again, union people and people who otherwise might have voted Democrat before, because after all, Obama and Hillary were the ones who said they were going to repeal. They, they were going to do exactly what President Trump just did. So clearly, Democrats have to be happy with this. Is President Obama going to come out and praise the president for this? Hell no. He's going to sit. Where is he now? This time in Sweden, sitting in some boring ass consortium or whatever it is, sitting in some big, gigantic, oversized chair talking about global warming. So yeah, he's too busy running down the president, running down the country in foreign countries, I'm sure. But is he going to get any praise for this? Of course not. In fact, when, when, when there was a chance for the media to talk about it, and I'll get to this in a little bit because I already kind of did it, uh, the reporter from ABC decided, well, with everybody involved in the new trade deal standing there, she decided that she was going to bring up the Kavanaugh thing. That's like, wait a minute here. And then, of course, he gets attacked for, you know, for, for insulting her or whatever. But, you know, he does that to everybody. This isn't just just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're immune to the president's jocularity. He's always like that. Reporters certainly don't offer any respect to him. Why should he why should he be kind of, you know, uh, subservient to them anyway? He did talk about the uh, Kavanaugh situation, though. And one great thing about President Trump is he doesn't leave stones unturned because a lot of us after that whole hearing thing. Uh, we couldn't stand this guy, Blumenthal. I've talked about him a little bit. Uh, and, and Blumenthal, as I point out, Blumenthal was one of the most obnoxious. He was the one who told Kavanaugh that, uh, that, that if there's any little glitch in your credibility, it taints the entirety of your credibility. And at the time, I said, this is coming from a guy who is a U.S. senator who lied about his service in Vietnam. That, that's the kind of hubris these Democrats have, a guy straight face. It's the same thing with Cory Booker, who can, who can write an article as a high school student referring to women's body parts as snatches and, 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 and talking about going to first and second base and all that kind of thing. And he's laying in judgment of, of Brett Kavanaugh? who the only provable thing that we've seen about Brett Kavanaugh is that he was entirely, completely, and totally respectful to women. There's nothing in Brett Kavanaugh's past where he's written down awful words like snatch and, 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 and referred to, you know, getting uh, to, to, to intimate relations with women as, as a baseball game. You know, he, you know, never, never, all the women who signed all these documents and signed all these papers have all been lauding Brett Kavanaugh as much as actually he interacted with women, because he did. Apparently, Kavanaugh was kind of a stud back in the day. Women loved the guy. And he had a lot of female friends. And so, you know, he, 
and, and, and you'd think that in some of those interactions, if he was actually a creep, somebody would have come forward and say, yeah, he did say this weird thing to me one time on the phone. Somebody would have said something, but here's a guy who's basically had a ton of exposure to women, and yet not one of them, with the exception of three liars, in my opinion, have come forward to uh, with, uh, with, with no evidence, by the way, three, three with liars with no evidence. Uh, none of them have come forward and said anything. So anyway, that's what I'm getting at. So President Trump, I'm glad he has these rallies and he doesn't have to talk about Blumenthal. But the fact of the matter is we all were watching those uh, uh, those those hearings. We were all watching it. We Kavanaugh was still sticking in our craw for a while. Right. We, were, we you know, a lot of you because we, we I don't keep up with these old uh, Democrats anyway. But a lot of us were like, who's that guy? Who, who is that dude? Because I don't like him at all. Oh, that's Blumenthal. Yeah. You had Patrick Leahy. Patrick Leahy. I've been here for just like ready for 44 years. 44 years, dude? That guy. You guys knew who that guy was. But Blumenthal is that. We're like, who is that guy? He's not nice. Then you dig into him a little bit and you realize. And so President Trump... You know, it's an it's an hour long rally. It's an hour, one hour and eleven minutes. This guy, he gets out there. That's why these news conferences, where the reporters are asking questions about Kavanaugh instead of instead of uh, the repeal of NAFTA or the reworking of it, uh, he gets he reprimands them because he's like, I'm standing out here. I have all the t- I give you all the time in the world. So all I do is answer questions. I'm as open as the day is long. I'm an open book. I'll, I'll answer all your questions. Anyway, he went after Blumenthal at the rally, and I'm glad. He doesn't. No, nobody gets out of there alive with President Trump, and I like that. He that guy will. I'm sure Blumenthal. I mean, he doesn't care, but some of these guys w- sit there and wonder whether their name is going to be mentioned. And lo and behold, boom. Uh, Danang, you know Danang, right? <laughs> Great city in Vietnam. And then you have Cory Booker. He destroyed Newark. I mean, the job he did in Newark, New Jersey. And see some of the things he wrote when he was young about women. Take a look, okay? And then they want to take a lot longer with the FBI. No, the FBI, they should take. By the way, if we took 10 years, then what more time? But they want to take a lot longer. But Diane Feinstein, she had this. He has the same problem I do. Is it Feinstein or Feinstein? I hear it. I hear it. I hear it referred to. Who cares? But still, is it Diane Feinstein or is it Diane Feinstein? What is it? She had this letter for months. And she didn't reveal it until everything was finished. Then she revealed it. Then she says, oh, we want more time. Let's see how it all works out, but I'll tell you what, they're trying to destroy a very fine person, and we can't let it happen. We can't let it happen. Yeah, so the president's doubled down uh, on, on Kavanaugh as well, and, and rightly so. And that little Danang reference was a reference to Blumenthal and his lying about his service in Vietnam. He, he claims that it was somehow some kind of, uh, you know, 
uh, just a just a minor mistake or or uh, just a, a, an oversight or what have you. Uh, but the rally is. Uh, was was indicative of the fact that these guys are all you mentioned Cory Booker as well are all uh essentially corrupt and, and and these are individuals who are the ones sitting in judgment of Brett Kavanaugh meanwhile i thought this was extremely interesting when we had the former CNN guys the big wigs over the network and i've talked about the hypocrisy of Jeffrey Tubin Jeffrey Tubin happened to be a uh, an individual who was the one who's out there talking about how President Trump's a misogynist and he's sending us back to 1957 and you know he hates women and you know he's he's like a member of the Rat Pack and of course I've dismantled that last week because uh, first of all the Rat Pack none of the guys in the Rat Pack to my knowledge impregnated a girlfriend outside of their marriage, then demanded that the girlfriend have an abortion and then offered to pay for the abortion. And then when she didn't have an abortion, refused to take care of the kid. To my knowledge, Joey Bishop, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, and whoever else might have been part of that Rat Pack, I don't hear any stories about them like that. So I don't know where Tubin's getting his little Rat Pack reference. Because as far as I'm concerned, these guys were very respectful of, of women. Well, let's put it this way. Certainly more respectful than demanding your girlfriend you impregnated to have a killer baby. And then and then when she doesn't want to kill the baby, say you're just not going to pay to support the baby. But that's Tubin who's out there, blah, blah, blah. Well, it just so happens that Tubin, uh, the woman he impregnated, is the daughter of Jeff Greenfield. And Jeff Greenfield at the time was an ABC reporter, and Tubin was actually his colleague. And so uh, Greenfield is, well, lo and behold, back kind of in the news because Jeff Greenfield, who I've kind of always liked, I, I always thought Jeff Greenfield was pretty fair uh, as, as a reporter a long, long time ago. But now he's the political analyst there on, uh, on CNN. And he... he is on CNN here, by the way, okay? And he's on the same network that uh, Tubin, the homeboy, is, is on. And uh, Greenfield is actually a critical of, of CNN and its coverage in general of President Trump and in particular regarding the Kavanaugh deal. And I thought that was pretty interesting to see. Check it out. I don't think it's surprising that, at least in my view, a, a, a fair percentage of the press in one way or another, thinks of itself as a kind of resistance. We have to speak truth to this man. We have to correct his, his statement about what we do. And in the process, hmm. I mean, I have to say this quite bluntly to a CNN anchor. When I look at CNN, hour after hour after hour, I see panels rather than reporting. And I see panels of guys who impregnated my daughter and demanded she have an abortion and they didn't pay for the baby. And then uh, she had to sue him and she won. Oh, I'm sure he's seeing that member. Changing opinions, the overwhelming majority of which on this network I regard as quite critical or hostile to Trump. Now, that may be justified. It may be that these folks have concluded on the basis of how Trump has behaved in the Republicans mm. that they deserve this kind of pushback. But I think that what you described, these two different um, universes, yeah. has only been accelerated. Look, you know. You think the press is exacerbating that feeling of two universes? 
you know, I think the press in some way is trapped because it's a perfectly legitimate argument to say this president has misled, dissembled, outright lied more than maybe all the presidents combined, and we have to call him to that. But what's happened is that it's fed the, the view on the other side of the aisle that, of course, they're critical of Trump because it's all fake news because they don't like what he's doing. What do you think personally? Has CNN taken a side, do you think? Uh, he just, he, hey, Brian. Were you listening to what he just said? Because he just said that you've taken a side, that you've adopted yourself as part of the resistance. I don't know whether you, were you listening to what he had to say or not, because I just played it in the, in the first in the beginning of it. He said explicitly that CNN and other media have taken on a hostility towards President Trump and have adopted actually the role as the resistance. It's pretty Pretty plain, but Brian asked it again, and he answered it. Have an debate? Has think, the press I, taken I think a side? You, yes, I think if you take the overall coverage, <laughs> you know, night after night, and you said, well, what have I heard that, that balances out? Sure. Now, and again, I want to be clear about this. It may be that the facts justify that, but I, don't, I can't see how you can look at any more than you can look at Fox, say, Fox, you know, Fox and Friends, and decide that it's anything more than state media. In CNN's case, it's not at that level at all, but there is an overwhelming perception as a viewer, I used to be a, you know, <laughs> that CNN, in effect, or most of its people have taken a stand about mm. this president and about this nomination. This is on, <laughs> that's on CNN. <laughs> that's Jeff Greenfield on CNN telling CNN, hey, uh, you're biased. And I can tell, I'm watching as a viewer, I can tell you are biased. And you've taken on the role other uh, resistance. That's Jeff Greenfield, people. And you know, I, I guess I got to give get I got to get uh, give props to, uh, to 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 Brian Stelter for having him on. Uh, and maybe he didn't know that that this individual was going to uh, that Jeff Greenfield was going to be critical of the of the media. Maybe he didn't know that. But I guess CNN can be credited with having somebody on who's actually uh, speaking truth to power, so to speak. Greenfield wasn't the only former CNNer. Uh, CBS uh, released a little expert uh, uh, excerpt of this uh, interview Ted Koppel did with Ted Turner. And Ted Turner has been out there. Uh, he's the one who founded CNN. And Ted Turner was actually talking about CNN, too. So you want to hear that? I didn't make any enemies. I mean, I was even friends with Fidel Castro and Mikhail Gorbachev and Vladimir Putin. I was friends with all of them. Well, there was a time when you and Rupert Murdoch didn't get along so well. We, he didn't hate me. He envied me. <laughs> I don't, he envied you. Why did he envy you? Because I was ahead of him a little bit. But not much. He was, he, he was one of the smartest guys in the media business, and is one of the smartest. Ted Turner doesn't follow the news much anymore. He'll still watch CNN occasionally. You get the sense that he might do things differently if he was still running the network, but he isn't, and he doesn't want to criticize. Is there, is there any way you can add just a little bit of energy, Ted? Seriously, dude. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to do you a favor and play the excerpt of this interview, but you're boring me to death. Is there some reason why you're just like you can't just give it a little bit of verve? I mean, I know you're an old dude, but for crying out loud, pick it up a little bit here. I think they're sticking with politics a little too much. 
that you do better to have a, a more balanced um, agenda. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the founder of CNN, Ted Turner, calling out the network he started. But that's, you know, just one person's opinion. Yeah, well, you're the, you, you founded CNN, so it's really not just one person's opinion. You're the guy who started the world's most important network. That's pretty interesting. Two people who are former CNNers out there essentially calling out CNN for being biased and unbalanced. And I, I have to tell you, there's no comparison, by the way, to Fox News because uh, Fox News, uh, to me, and you guys know this, right? I, I sometimes think that they're way too... They're, they're, they're way too kind to the other side sometimes. I mean, in fact, they bend over backwards. I mean, I'm glad that they cover all the bases here. And, 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 they, and I, th- I do believe that Fox News is fair and balanced in their coverage of news. Now, when, when they get outside of their coverage of news, like, for instance, in the morning and those kinds of things, uh, they're very balanced. And, and they have the, uh, you know, the five is a very balanced show. Uh, and and the uh, and in the in the morning time and, and I think the uh, outnumbered show is is very balanced. I mean, you get into a little bit of uh, opinion stuff when you have uh, Shepard Smith, who's a left wing kook. So you have you have him out there, and 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 then you have in the evening time you have Tucker and you have Laura and you have Sean. But they're all opinion people. They're people who come out and they say, "This is who I am." This is, of course, no. I'm sorry, Shepard Smith is a liar. He doesn't do that. He, he claims that he's just this, I'm the news guy. I'm on the news deck. I'm Shepard Smith. It's like, no, you're not. You're a left-wing kook who hates President Trump, and you're shielding us from uh, the truth because you're just telling us your truth. So that's Shepard Smith. So I, I can't compare that to the rest. But, but Tucker and, and Laura and Sean, you, you know exactly where these guys stand. But with, with CNN... Uh, their news coverage, it's, it's in their basic news body, they're completely biased. And Jeff Greenfield and, and Ted Turner both notice it. So, you know, I mean, I don't see how you can compare Fox News to this. I mean, now, uh, it'd be different if CNN had, you know, uh, liberal Wolf Blitzer show with the, the whatever they call it, the uh, happy hour, the meeting room, or whatever the hell they call that show. The, the uh, breaking room, or whatever, what do they call a show? I don't know. But, but, if we, but if Wolf Blitzer would say, yeah, I'm liberal, this is my show, like Tucker does, yeah, I'm conservative, this is my show, then we wouldn't have an issue with it. But, you're, but you're, all you're doing is you're pretending that you are – uh, balanced and and you're and you're not. Don't tell us that you're objective when we know that you're not. If you just tell us, like Rachel Maddow, and I've told you this before, it's why I like Rachel Maddow uh, because Rachel Maddow uh, is has always said that uh, she is uh, liberal, left wing, and and that that's her uh, that's her thing, that's her rap. And and so uh, the so I like I was I can respect that when you when you are Rachel Maddow I can respect the fact that of all the left wingers you're probably better at what you do on TV than any other left winger and you and we know you're a left winger you don't hide that from us 
And so I, and so I can, I can uh, respect that. But I, but no. I don't respect it when when I'm, hold on a second here let me I'm, I'm grabbing up I'm trying to grab uh, um, my uh, something from CNN here real quickly so so just tell us you know who you are and what you think and we'll be fine otherwise don't pretend you're objective CNN does and they're not Jeff Greenfield points it out Ted Turner points it out and Ted Turner founded the darn network for crying out loud so I do remember like back in the day I remember when CNN was uh, was founded and. Uh, CNN was, uh, why is Art telling people to dress warmly today? Is it going to be like 90 degrees, Art? Or is it supposed to be cold today? That's not, that's not nice. That's not right. I thought it was supposed to be hot this week. Anyway, CNN uh, was kind of back in the day when it first started, the uh, land of misfit toys. Because you'd have all these anchors on there who were just a little just a little off, it seemed like they were just, they weren't necessarily polished, which was a good thing. Uh, and, and they, they were, you know, uh, some, some of them were kind of, you know, odd looking and, and, and that kind of thing. Oh, thank you. Art. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I believe everything that comes out of all your mouth. So just so you know, that's a good thing. Uh, the, so you had Bernard, remember Bernard Shaw, the black dude, that, that older black dude, oh, I'm Bernard Shaw, and he, and he kind of was very stiff, and, and, and then you had some of these other anchors out there, and then one of my favorites was Bobby Batista. Now, Bobby Batista was uh, very pretty. I, I liked her and, and very energetic, uh, but, but she looked like her eyes, she had, she, her eyes were crossed. She looked like she had cross-eyed. If you, if you look at her vid- videos, and you remember uh, back, and you guys will remember this. So it's like, is she, is she cross-eyed? Because it looks like she's kind of cross-eyed. And, and uh, Bobby Batista, I didn't have the heart to ask her about that because it didn't matter. I mean, and she was, I liked her a lot. And I, in fact, interviewed her. I can't remember why I interviewed her. She was doing some kind of book or she had some kind of, uh, book out or did something and when I had the chance to interview her, I did interview her when I was over at 97.1 and it was really kind of a cool thing to talk to Bobby Batista because she was like, you know, kind of one of my heroes in news at the time uh, because uh, because I don't know, she just had this grooviness about her. Here, remember, here's a little Bobby Batista for you. Peace in the Gulf Day 35 <laughs> Welcome back I'm Bobby Batista at the center. Atlanta. Joining me now from Fort Kaboom. In Twin <laughs> that, was, that was actually a, uh, that was a, uh, a, I guess it was an SNL bit of her. Um, it was a woman who was doing her cross-eyed. So sorry about that. Here's, here's the, here's the real one here. CNN International. Proudly presents World this News. Is world oh. News. Yes. It sounds like it's from the 1940s, doesn't it? From 1992. This is World News, brought to you by CNN, uh, the world's most important network. Timpany uh, drums and all that stuff. It's awesome. This is World News. And now, Bobby Batista. 
Here are some of the stories we're covering in this edition of World News. In Somalia, a heavily armed convoy of French and U.S. troops is on the way to the starving, terrorized city of Baidoa. Mass arrests and searches in Israel could not save a kidnapped border guard. His body was found outside Jerusalem Tuesday, two days after he was abducted by a Muslim fundamentalist group. And President Boris Yeltsin says Russia is... In, isn't that interesting, by the way, and I didn't catch this before, but the Muslim fundamentalist group, you think, that, you think they'd ever say that now? This is 1992. And, and she used the term Muslim fundamentalist group. Hmm. And searches in Israel could not save a kidnapped border guard. His body was found outside Jerusalem Tuesday, two days after he was abducted by a Muslim fundamentalist group. Yeah, this was back in the day when we were more than satisfied just simply to sacrifice bodies to the mooj as it was plotting and planning bigger events. This is 1992. And oh, there's another one. Oh, there's Leon Klinghoffer. They just rolled, rolled him off the ship there and... Uh, Oh, there's another 10 killed here and that little bombing here and there. And we didn't really, this was, they really, the moods really were not really on our radar necessarily. And we kind of, uh, kind of uh, just took our eye off the ball. This is around the time that people like, oh, let's see, uh, John Brennan and James Clapper and all the people wagging their fingers at us about how amazing the intelligence community is. This was around the time they were all running around. While the, while the Mooj was plotting and planning right behind their backs. John Brennan, who is a person who hates Donald Trump, John Brennan, uh, the, the one time that he actually had some responsibility uh, before he became uh, a higher up in, in the uh, intelligence community, uh, he was the CIA station chief there in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia when the Mooj bombed the building there and killed 17 U.S. servicemen right under John Brennan's nose. That was in 1996, by the way, four years after this report here. And, and, and isn't it interesting that, uh, that, that, that it's great when we have memories. We just have to make sure we, we call them up. In situations like this, and 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 when John Brennan is out there running his fat traitorous mouth, sometimes it benefits us to go back and and maybe look. Let's look. Let's go back and look at John Brennan's bio, shall we? Like, who is this guy? It's kind of like when you go back and look at Blumenthal's lying about Vietnam uh, bio, or Cory Booker's bio. Or go back and look at uh, Patrick Leahy's bio. This has been actually kind of fun to do, actually, watching these Senate Judiciary Committee hearings where you uh, are able to kind of go back in time. It's like, I think that name, Pat, Pat Leahy, has been there 44 years. Uh, that's a long time. But I do remember a while back when Patrick Leahy was called the uh, Leaky Leahy. Yeah, Leaky Leahy. And uh, that's because he was leaking documents that were pertinent to the Iran-Contra investigation. And uh, there was some talk, although I, I'm, not gonna, I'm, not, I'm not calling him a murderer. What I am saying is there was some talk that there were some people whose lives, uh, at least one person whose life was lost as a result of some of the leaks that were attributed to Leahy. And you're thinking, well, are you just making that up? No, Leahy was the one. He admitted it as much. 
that he was a leaker and, in fact, relinquished a top role on the Judiciary Committee at one time when he when the Democrats were in control. So, And he's still on the committee, by the way. Why he's still on the committee is beyond me. But even after all that, even after admitting it, and even after stepping down uh, on a prominent role in the Judiciary Committee, he still is on the committee. And he's the one who is laying in wait and laying in judgment of uh, Brett Kavanaugh? Interesting. Let's go back to Bobby, shall and we? President Boris Yeltsin says Russia is still on the path to reform, despite political setbacks suffered at the hands of conservatives in the Congress of People's Deputies. Hi, Bobby. From CNN Center, here's Bobby Batista. <laughs> this is like this is 1992. You'd think it was like 1950. From CNN Center, it's now time for Bobby Batista. And she's just kind of waiting for her cue. She's got her. Uh, awesome little turtleneck in her 1992 hair. You know, the hairdo back in the day, like this short hair. She's a cutie pie, but she looked cross-eyed to me. <laughs> I always liked her. <laughs> I mean, I'll, let's see. Can I put a link? To, can I put a link to this uh, up there? I guess I will. I'll put it in the comment section for you guys to look uh, at it for on your, on your by your lonesome here. Hang on. Because you, you got you to kind of... Hi, Bobby. Hello, everyone. It's Hello. Convoy. Have you... Hi, Bobby. Let me just get this here real quickly, and I'll put it uh, put it on so you guys can see it because she's uh, it's it's pretty cool. Hold on, uh, copy, blah blah blah. Okay, got it. But yeah, this was back in the day when we were just kind of like uh, uh, sacrificing people here and there to to the mooge and letting the, um, the the mooge run the show, and we weren't paying attention to them. And so it's interesting to go back into uh, back to 1992 and and see. Uh, just exactly what was going on in our world back then. And you have to imagine that, uh, that there are a lot of people who weren't really in any way, shape, or form uh, paying attention. They took, their, they took their eye off of the ball, and what we ultimately got was something called, uh, well, let's see, something called uh, 9-11-2001. Yeah. Okay. You know, I was, I was wondering, you know, if you could keep on because the oh, no. force has got a lot of power. And Tell us about it, it Michael. Like, what you? It, it makes me feel like. <laughs> Good morning, happy Tuesday, everybody. Live from the Discovery Design Studios. It is Radio Free Almond, people. Thank you so much to Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. 855-QUOTE-ME is the, is the number. That's where we're going to be able to check him out. Low premiums and low deductibles all at the same time, my friends. All at the same time. Life insurance, car insurance, home insurance. She got it with my man, Matthew Mitchell, Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. 855, quote me. Don't forget, too, about Michael Proctor. Proctor spelled like doctor. ProctorDrapery.com, people. Proctor spelled like doctor. For all of your window treatment needs and Dr. DePuty has uh, even 
taking Michael Proctor up on his awesomeness. Adding some window treatments to his operation down there off of 55. So thank you, Eric, for uh, for doing that. And if you have the woven wood shades in mind or you have the awesome motorized shades, maybe you want the uh, solar view shades, you know, uh, come wintertime, the sun's a little lower pops through your windows and bleaches your furniture sometimes or your carpet or your wood floor and solar view shades allow you to get around that just a little bit and I showed you on Facebook the beautiful side panels he did for me on my uh, dining room so I really appreciate what Michael's doing he's got his mobile design unit he's uh, able to come right to your doorstep and it's not a problem at all to get old Michael to the crib and fix it up. It's all about. Proctor spelled like Dr. ProctorDrapery.com. So I have my um, I have my official 2018 Democratic Party survey that Angie Moser, you see her every once in a while on uh, on Facebook, on the Facebook feed, she's a huge supporter of uh, Radio Free Almond. Everywhere she goes, she's wearing a Radio Free Almond shirt. So, Angie Moser, thank you so much. She and Andy are good friends of ours, and uh, Angie's just just a sweet person, and uh, I appreciate it. She wore, yeah, they, they they have these events and things like that have nothing to do with Radio Free Almond, and there she is wearing a Radio Free Almond shirt. Her babies wear them too, so. I appreciate that. And she's been, from the very beginning, a, a dear friend and a, and a big supporter of Rodeo Free Almond, and I really appreciate that. So she gives Andrea the official 2018 Democratic Party survey that she got in the mail. And uh, is Facebook going to kick me off for doing this, you think? I love this song. Michael Jackson. Lisa wants V-necks. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see about that. And uh, we'll we'll do it. But so I'm going to get my readers out. I'm going to get them from the jeep, and and I'll I'll, I'll you get, you should see what's in this survey. It's crazy. But I can't I can't go out to the jeep and get my readers and play like Michael Jackson because then they'll pull me off of Facebook because I'm just playing the music. So my next break, what I'll do is I'll play uh, the Bernie Sisters and uh, Ocean Eyes. And then I'll do that, and then I'll be able to escape the uh, the, 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 the algorithm uh, monsters out there. And so I'll run out to my I'll run out to my car and do it that way. Pascal, what's going on, Baboof? How you doing, man? The Pascal Show. Everybody say hello to Pascal, who has uh, joined the operation here. Good friend of mine. Haven't heard you in a while. I'm wondering if uh, Pascal, you know, he had me on his show, and I really so appreciate him having me on my, uh... oh, you never got my hat. Was I supposed to come and give you a hat? Is that right, Jim? All right, man. I owe a lot of people some hats. Come over to uh, PJ's and check it out. Have some chicken wings. There's Pascal. Good morning, Almanites. Good morning, Pascal. 
Hey, man, uh, I was going to ask him, though. I, was, I, I meant to text you, but I'll just ask you here. Uh, did you uh, get a lot of blowback from having me on? Because I know that there's a lot of people on there, but then I haven't heard from you in a while, so I was kind of wondering whether or not maybe you uh, were, uh, were bitten hard by some of these people out there and then suddenly said, well, I don't think I'm going to do that again. I don't know. I'll have, to back, have you back in here. Just let me know. I didn't, I'm not, uh, yeah, he'd been crazy busy shooting skits and creating more stuff. I know, I understand. I just wanted to make sure you weren't, because uh, a lot of you people took some pretty big risks. Like Pascal's audience isn't the Radio Free Almond audience or a little different audience sometimes. And, 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 and they are not always, you know, like Pascal is not a, uh, is not is not a Trump supporter, but he and I are dear friends, and I'm a huge supporter of what Pascal does, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to have him on because I think you know actually we turned a lot of people on to Radio Free Almond, and I hope a lot of people were turned on to Pascal show because it's very entertaining. He's got a really great crew of people there, and he's just an overall good guy, and it proves we can all be in disagreement about some things, and yet at the same time uh, still get along just fine. Thank you. And Pascal is a great example of that. And don't forget to just just on on Facebook, uh, just check out the Pascal show, and and uh, just just I I, I put it a, a link up to it on there anyway. So I know uh, two in a row. I know. Am I am I pushing my luck here with with this? All right. Uh, okay. 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 I'll turn it off. I should probably do that anyway because I don't. I do not want to. It's a it's a mess when I get pulled off of Facebook. So I, I I they'll they'll catch up with me eventually. But man, do I dig some Michael Jackson? Let me tell you something about Michael Jackson before I get get moving on here with some some stuff. Michael Jackson, in my opinion, was like, and I know, I know about all the all that weird stuff he was doing with the kids. I, I get it, but I'm just I'm talking about him uh, musically, uh, and and he was actually one of the last true celebrities. I think I think Justin Timberlake is getting there. Uh because Timberlake has what did I what I I wrote down one of his songs really good. He's he's singing it with um Chris Stapleton. You seen that Matt? It's pretty damn good. I mean Justin Timberlake is really a a a talented guy, man. I mean I I'm I'm exceedingly impressed with him and and uh, and, and he's a he's a pretty damn talented dude. So he's he's kind of a little bit in the in, in the image of a Michael Jackson who uh, Timberlake kind of just kind of keeps keeps out of things that isn't real political. He'll perform at the White House or do whatever he performed for Obama, I think, whatever. But uh, but but uh, but he's not really he's not out there squawking about things all the time. He's out there performing. He's a, he's one of the hardest working people I've ever seen in show business, Justin Timberlake. And these guys only make all their money by uh, by performing like they would be performing uh, performing live and so they that's how they make their 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 money you don't really make money selling albums these days um but michael jackson let me find let me find this timberlake thing they kick me off facebook for this one if i play it it's a damn good 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 song man um Hold on, let me just find it here real quick. Give me a break, people. Just uh, hold on. Okay, here. I, I just I, I said it wrong. 
sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes Chris Stapleton's a little much because I, I, I get it, dude. I get you. I, I get it. You have a deep voice. I understand it. And this is ladies and gentlemen. Get out your seats. Come on. Get up. We're going to dance tonight. Uh. And it goes this is, like, uh, y'all can't do better than this. Y'all can't do better than this. Y'all can't do better than this. Hey, they're going to pull me off. The I think for this. Okay, get, let me just move on. So he's, he's, like, he's like a, he's totally picked up on the, on the Michael Jackson vibe. But this is, this is a great bit with Timberlake and Chris Stapleton. And I think it's the, the, from the British, some British awards or whatever. I don't know what it is. Oh, thanks, Matt, for posting that up there, buddy. Thank you. But you get, but you get the idea. Uh, Timberlake was a really, really, is a really hardworking guy. And this this bit with Stapleton is really good. Yeah, so that's Justin Timberlake, and I, you know, we kind of have a little. Gaslight has kind of a a Chris Stapleton esque, although I, I don't want to demean him by, you know, by comparing. But but he, but he but but he's got kind of that vibe. Really great, deep. Beautiful voice. What's his name, Matt? You can put him up on the on the put him up on if you don't mind on on the uh, on the Facebook stream there. They could they could uh, look him up themselves. But anyway, so so to my point, so Timberlake is a hard worker, and he he has to make all of his money. Really, you don't make money selling records anymore. You make money performing. That's how these guys do it. But imagine back in the day, a guy like Michael Jackson, who didn't have he didn't have YouTube. I mean, he had MTV, but he didn't have YouTube. He didn't have, you know, Twitter. Uh, he didn't have Facebook. He didn't have any outlet except his performance and, 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 and getting out there exposing himself. I didn't, shouldn't have said that. But I, would have, I mean, getting out there exposing people to his music. And, and uh, Elliot Pearson. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, you had to listen to some of this Elliot Pearson in the passing lane. Man, is that something? It's right here at Gaslight where they do that. So anyway, uh, Michael Jackson, though, uh, when, when, you, when it comes to being a celebrity, Michael Jackson, and, and again, separate all the weird stuff he was involved in. I mean, it was damaging. I, I get it. But Michael Jackson was one celebrity that you, you, you can't argue with this, and that he earned every ounce of his celebrity status. He earned every bit of it. And uh, that's because he was a hard worker. He performed, and that's how he sold his records. He got out there and said, I'm Michael Jackson. He didn't have any of these other outlets that these other musicians have uh, to, uh, to, to use. So uh, that's why. No, how, how did I get into that? Oh, I was playing Michael Jackson. Okay, no, thank you. Let's keep it up with my own synapses here. All right, so uh, yesterday, the the controversy du jour was, of course, the media deciding they're going to haze the president over this uh, 
over this exchange with this reporter uh, who is a uh, with ABC, and and she is uh, she's she's with ABC, and her name is Cecilia sure. Vega. And, and 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 President Trump is out there in the Rose Garden, okay, and he's out there in the Rose Garden with all these people after basically signing and getting together the USMCA agreement, and this is an agreement that basically just absolutely uh, uh, that that kind of rips apart the worst parts of NAFTA and, and puts the U.S. In front, it, it it puts American interests in front. I actually, frankly, don't know how the president pulled this off. Uh, I, I I kind of do. If you ask me how I how he pulled it off, he pulled it off because he's Donald Trump, and that's what Donald Trump does. If you read Art of the Deal, business people, this is how they operate. Politicians are are usually, and I'm not saying all politicians, but politicians usually. Uh, they're they're not they're they're not courageous enough. Uh, they're they're too careful, uh, and and they're and they're too much uh, in the way of pansies to actually pull things off. Which is why over the past twenty five years we've got nothing and had nothing but acquiescence and butt kissing to North Korea. And North Korea threatens. We're like, how much do you want? You can I can I write you a check? Will that solve the problem because they don't want to ever make any tough decisions. And I went on my big diatribe yesterday about how uh, these politicians, Republican and Democrat, uh, just simply don't like President Trump there because he is forcing them to make hard choices and to take a stand. And they hate that. So you've got it doesn't matter whether it's the Jeff Flakes of the world or the Blumenthal's of the world or the Feinstein's or whatever. They just uh, and the Republicans, they just don't want to have to to make decisions. So uh, because it's better for them if they just kind of go up to uh, D.C. And, and, and basically manage the money that is stolen from you. And that's basically and, or dole it out or do whatever. And that's kind of what they do. They like to kind of be, uh, you know, in the shadows. But President Trump is making them all come out of the shadows and and take a stand on things, whether it be on lower taxes, whether it be on trade agreements, whether it be on immigration. He's constantly forcing people to work. And you know who else he forces to work? He forces the media to work. He, he will have hour-long hour-and-a-half-long news conferences where they actually start running out of questions. Like, oh, what color tie is that? That's interesting. They, don't, they, 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 just, they run out of questions. They're, they're such idiots. And, and, or, or he'll walk to Marine One, and he'll stop in the driveway and talk to them. Or he tweets something at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, and it ruins their weekends, which is fantastic. He does it on purpose. Yeah, I think I'm going to tweet something here at 8 o'clock Saturday night where all these goofballs are out at dinner. Uh, thinking they're gonna they're gonna be able to be okay. I'm gonna go ahead and do that, and then and then they're gonna have to work. He likes that. That's that's the guy. He, he, President Trump, I'm sure, and I like this about him. I'm sure is an exhausting person to work for, and and I think it's I love that about him. But he must be an exhausting person, and 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 I I, I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. It's good to be exhausting in in this realm. Because you, you have to be 
on the top of your game probably every time this guy is around, and even when he's not around. So I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody in politics with more energy who is out there and as open as he is. He has cabinet meetings where he invites television cameras in. He uh, will talk to anybody. It's funny how the, the, it's funny how the media will treat him like he's, so he's, he's like he hates the media and he's the worst person for freedom of speech and the First Amendment and our so-called institutions, which is a myth that it's an institution. And yet he's probably the most accessible president we've seen, uh, well, since Ronald Reagan and, and even more accessible than Ronald Reagan. So here's a guy who is, you know, who is op- an open book for crying out loud. Sometimes you'd say you'd think he talks too much. I don't think he talks too much, but he'll answer anybody's question. He'll talk about anything. He'll be at a rally. It'll be an hour and 11 minutes there in Tennessee, and he'll cover all the bases. He'll talk about Kanye. He'll talk about Blumenthal. You know, I mean, he'll, he'll, go, he'll go everywhere. He riffs, which also drives people crazy. When you uh, – usually in the past with Obama, uh, when they would have these events or President uh, Bush would have these events, we'd all be given copies of their comments beforehand. Okay, here's here's the president's statement from you know, and we'll still have a speech beforehand, and all the reporters will be uh, typing up their stories before the, the, they even speak, because there was not no amount of there was not nothing extemporaneous at all about Obama and Bush. They'd go out there and and uh, read, and Obama would pontificate and do whatever he's doing, and Bush would mumble through what he could, and and you know. That would be the sum total of it. With President Trump, if you're a reporter, you've got to sit there and watch his rally. You've got to sit there and watch the rally. You've got to, you've got to be glued to it because you never know what he's going to say. You, you never know. And I love that. So these reporters uh, have to work. They, they, they constantly have to kind of like sit there with their little – their little uh, – their little, uh, Laptops, and they gotta watch every every move he makes. He makes them listen, which is even better. Because usually they'd be like, "You don't have to listen to this. I, I got. I have this speech right here." What what can, what possibly could could Obama or GW say? They're they're told explicitly not to go off script. President Trump's like, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna sit here and talk to you for an hour and a half, people." And and he makes these reporters sit there and and hang on every word. And I love it. And then in, in terms of working, this guy doesn't hardly ever sleeps. So so you gotta you gotta be on your toes. Be easy. he probably goes to bed at midnight, wakes up at four in the morning. Sounds like a little bit like me. But you know, and 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 uh doesn't sleep. So he's got he's got people always wondering like what's he gonna do today? What's he doing today? What's he doing? You know. So he so this idea somehow that he's a uh a bad guy to the press is ridiculous. So I'm, I'm getting to this news conference. So he has a presentation out in the Rose Garden, and there, there are certain places that are that will telegraph to the media what it is. Okay, uh, 
and, and when you have a rose garden presentation, that assigns a certain level of formality to what the president is doing. When he's in, I don't know, whatever that room that is with the gold curtains or everything else, that's a, or, or, that's a pretty good indication it's going to be. This is a free-for-all. You're going to be able to ask, ask questions, whatever you want, and, and that's kind of the way it is. That's how reporters are telegraphed. Um, in, in terms of uh, what what the, the nature of the presentation is, so in the rose garden, when there's a rose garden presentation, this is a this is more of a formal presentation. Usually, it's reserved uh, when when dignitaries are in town or when somebody from a foreign country is in town. Um, they, they are that is more of a formal presentation. Sometimes they'll have it inside, but it's a beautiful day in D.C. They're out in the Rose Garden, and that's an indication to you that I'm going to tell you, President Trump, about USMCA. I certainly will answer other questions, but I'm going to tell you about this, and and uh, this is going to be what it's about. I have uh, 15 people behind me. They're from Canada. They're from Mexico, and they're from the U.S., trade contingent, and I'm going to tell you about this new trade deal, and then you're going to ask me questions about what I'm here talking about. Normally, that doesn't have to be said to these reporters. Uh, they know. It's, it's, it's kind of it's, 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 uh, protocol. Uh, and so, so the, the, the scenario where these people are giving the addresses and, and giving their presentations is usually a a tell to the reporters about what the nature of the of the situation is, but that apparently didn't. Uh, Cecilia Vega didn't care about about that uh, protocol. She didn't care about the nature of this particular configuration. She didn't care about the fact that she was. She didn't care about the fact that she's in the in the rose garden. So clearly, this is a more formal setting. She didn't care at all about where she was, and so she decides that she's going to. Well. First of all, ask a question uh, that, that that's not germane to what they're there for. Uh, and, and again, the president generally is not wouldn't dictate the questions, but he does dictate the, uh, the what comes first and what comes second. So I'll take questions on the trade deal, and then later uh, it's it's insinuated just by the by the mere fact that they're out in the rose garden that that he'll take other questions, and President Trump always does. He always takes other questions. You rarely have to uh, shout at him as he's walking away. It's, it's a rarity. Now, sometimes they're in the Oval Office and he gives a presentation and you've got, uh, and you've got uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying, get out! It's, it's, it's fantastic. I love her. They're all telling, barking at the reporters to get the hell out of the room. Get out, leave, bye, bye, bye. And they're just herding them around like a bunch of puppies. It's pretty fantastic. And and you know what? He'll still be sitting there answering questions, even as Sarah and everybody else is uh, is is uh, telling everybody to leave. He'll still answer people's lingering questions. The president is nothing if not completely open to the news media. They have nothing to to be angry or angst filled for. And now keep in mind, it doesn't matter. There are still some reporters that are disrespectful and rude to President Trump. Jim Acosta is a perfect example of that. And when he, when he is able to, President Trump will ride Jim Acosta rightly like a rented mule and will call him out. 
And sometimes he'll just simply answer Acosta's questions and, you know, and, and move on. Cecilia Vega is another example of that. I don't know whether I don't know how much you all have seen these news conferences before, but there's a there's a thing between President Trump and Cecilia Vega. This isn't just out of nowhere. Uh, this is an ongoing thing between these two, and and President Trump and Cecilia Vega get into it quite a bit. She is a rude, angry, frowny person and she gets up there usually when they're in the press room and even with Sarah Huckabee Sanders she gets in there like she owns the joint and so uh, the president has a history with her that kind of was ignored in the coverage of this particular (laughs) this particular um, exchange which I found which I found funny and which the rest of the news media found horrible and said that he was insulting Cecilia Vega. And actually, some of the headlines were uh, President Trump insults female reporter. Sure. She's shocked that I picked her. No. It's like in a state of shock. I'm not thinking, Mr. That's President. okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's funny. That's funny. Okay, yesterday I laughed at Matt Damon doing Kavanaugh. I have a pretty good sense of humor. That's funny, right there. I mean, that that and, and you know what? Is it because she's a woman that it that it's that it's, that it's a problem? Because I've I've been back and forth with uh, <laughs> with with these people. I still love that line. I'm sorry. I just uh, think it was so. Just let me do it again. Why not? Sure. So what happened is he called on her, but she wasn't quite ready, apparently. So she was kind of like, you know, kind of um, getting her stuff together to stand up and, and be rude. And, and the president decided he was going to take advantage of the moment where she's, uh, you know, gathering all of her crap to stand up to, to, to uh, razz her. <laughs> I'm sorry. This was funny. Sure. She's shocked that I picked her. It's like in a state of shock. I'm not thinking, Mr. That's President. That's okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. I'm sorry? It was really kind of, um, it was really a cut. I mean, it was, it was like a, a pretty big cut. And, it was in a, and he said it with this attitude that is... Uh, that that is perfect. I mean, it is perfect. It's 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 um, it's humiliating to a certain degree. But is it because she's a woman that the, that that this is the issue? Because uh, because he does that to guys all the time. In fact, President Trump is harder on guys than he is on women. I mean, if if you're any way, shape, or form a beta around him, he'll eat you alive. He does that with, you know, with Mitt Romney and, and all these other guys around him. And he, you, you, better, you better man up when you're around President Trump. And you better damn order the soup, too. Or he'll eat you alive. He'll make you beg like he did Mitt Romney for, for a job when he has no intention at all of giving it to you. Yeah, hey, come in and have some dinner with me. Yes, I'll have the, uh, I'll have the clam chowder. 
What are you going to have, Mitt? Oh, I'll just have the side salad with the with the vinaigrette on the side. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, but but that but but you so he's like this with with guys all the time. With Jim Acosta and the rest of the guys, uh, um, he, he's like that all the time with them. So why is it that that because she's a woman that this becomes the outrage of the day? Because listen, if you're a, if you're a woman and you're a White House reporter, you're in the pit. That's that's where it's all at. You're you're, you're in there, and whether you are a male or female, uh, you you better be ready to rock here. And uh, this is President Trump dealing with her like he deals with everybody else. But they made a big to-do about it, that he insults ABC reporter Cecilia Vega. I've actually never heard it when when he has humiliated Jim Acosta. I've never heard the story being uh, uh, President Trump insults Jim Acosta. Like, like I, I'm like I'm actually defending Jim Acosta. The poor guy, when he gets insulted, it doesn't become headline news. But but when she does, it becomes headline news. Why is that? That's, that's, that's not that's not right. Just because you're a woman. Now, obviously, there are certain things that um, you know. I, I'm not I'm not one of those people who uh, b- believes that. I still I still am like this with women. I, I will open the door. For women, I will open a car door for women. I will walk uh, on the uh, the side of the street where the cars are. I, 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 if I'm walking with a woman, I'll walk on the uh, the the outside, not the inside. And and, and I'll also, uh, you know, that's because that's the back of the day, and, and it's it's a it's a thing that you ought to do. Um, is if some some. Buddy runs off the road. You're the first to get popped, which you ought to be. And also in the old days, it used to be a thing where, you know, you'd have uh, cars go by. And, and if there's a splash or they hit a puddle or something, you're the first one to get squirted and drenched. It's just kind of what you do. Guys walk on the outside of uh, the street, uh, towards the street when they're walking with a woman. At least you should. So I so I I do believe there are certain considerations for um for women. I it, it's just kind of you know it's it's one of our it's our it's it's our social contract if you will with women that there are certain things you do, you do. I mean and and certain uh ways you comport yourself around women that might be different from men. I, I get all that. But when you're in this professional atmosphere like that, uh they are um you know you, you, all bets are off. And when you're a jerk then yeah, you're gonna get it big time. And and Cecilia Vega is a jerk. Sorry to say. So I'll play it from the beginning because it's so awesome. And then he goes back and forth with her over the uh, over the questioning too. So here you go. <laughs> oh, I don't love this because I I'm cruel. I love this because Trump is such a gunslinger. Sometimes it's really funny. Like you'd never like like people would never expect this to happen, and and, and she certainly didn't either. She's shocked that I picked her. No, she's like in a state of shock. I'm not thinking, Mr. That's President. That's okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. In a tweet this weekend. I mean, you know, come on. Is anybody? I, and, and honestly, if you feel like it, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna 
get all over you, but um, does anybody think that that's rude? I, I think when I when I first played it and I looked into into the room with Matt, he was like, "I don't know, man." But you know, but I mean, to do, do uh, yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt's like, "I don't know, man. I don't, don't think I've done that." But but does anybody think that it's uh, like, are you all offended by that at all? Because I think it's funny, and, and and I guess it's 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 kind of my evil sense of humor. But I, I think it's funny here. I mean, then I'll play the rest for you here. She's shocked that I picked her. No. It's like in a state of shock. I'm not thinking, Mr. That's President. That's okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this, is in a, this is in the Rose Garden at a... At a uh, he's got all these people from uh, foreign countries and everything else. She, excuse me? He's like, no, go ahead. You go ahead. In a tweet this weekend, Mr. President, you said that it's incorrect to say you're limiting the scope of the FBI investigation. What does that have to do with Fred? I don't mind answering the question, but, you know, I'd like to do the trade. It has to do with the other headline in the news, which is the Kavanaugh nomination. I know, but how about talking about trade and then we'll get to that. I mean, so so and again, as I pointed out earlier, uh, this is a Rose Garden event. And normally with Rose Garden events, it's implicit that it is about. One subject. It's 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 a rollout, and the and the questions are there, uh, and 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 the reporters, as a level as a matter of protocol, are uh, it's it's assumed that they're going to keep their questions to this event, and it can be even more easily assumed they're going to keep the questions to the event. Uh, because the uh, because the president is never one of those guys who says bye and walks away. He'll always take other questions. So so the president doesn't have a reputation of shutting the operation down right after he gives his presentation, and and, and so he doesn't have that reputation. So the reporters don't have to rush anything and don't have to try to fit something in, unless of course they're grandstanding. Or unless there's Cecilia Vega who decides, you know what, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do protocol here. I'm going to do what Cecilia Vega wants to do. I'm not. I'm not going to uh, here in the Rose Garden uh, take the uh, follow protocol and ask my question about what I'm seeing in front of me. I'm going to uh, ask a question I want to ask. And so the president rightly says, you know what, uh, no, uh, not going to not going to do that. You're going to ask a question about the trade deal and and and, and check it out. She did a little bit later. Do you think the trade, anybody have a trade? Do you go think ahead, your please. trade deal will pass through Congress, sir? Uh, I think so, but you know, if it doesn't, we have lots of other. I mean, he was he was just about to move on to somebody else, and uh, she she fell in line. That's for sure. sure. But I do think so. I think if they're fair, which is a big question, but if it's fair on both sides, the Republicans love it, uh, industry loves it, our country loves it. Uh, if it's fair. It will pass. I think it'll pass easily, really easily, because it's a great deal. I mean, NAFTA passed. It's one of the worst deals I've ever seen. Inconceivable that it was made. Fair question. Any other questions Thank on trade? You. I'll get back to you on the other I, questions. I'd like to go forward with my Kavanaugh question. Let's do might. that later, and we'll, but I'll call you a second time. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so the president's being very even-handed. He's like, I'll, I'll you know, and, 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 and he doesn't lie when he says he's doing it. He does that and did it. And so you know, I mean, this this is the this is the the kind of uh, uh, 
swagger that President Trump has. And he and he controlled that thing because that's really she she knew that she was wrong uh, to, to ask that question before she asked something about trade. And the president's never let these people down in terms of uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the, uh, answering their questions. He's always been open, which is why it's totally shocks me when. Reporters claim that somehow he is abusive to the media when this guy's the best thing that ever happened to the media. You, you, President Trump doesn't hide from anybody. He's out there in the open. He's you know, an open book when it comes to things that he talks about, and he's always ready to you know, answer questions, always. And you know, whether it be on the airplane, whether it be in the driveway, on his way to Marine One, here – News conference, all that kind of stuff. This guy is accessible, and reporters ought to be thanking him. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break here. I'm going to go out and get my readers. I'm going to call Jim uh, Talent, uh, and he's going to be on with me for a little bit here. And then I'll get to this official 2018 Democratic Party survey that Radio Free Almond fan, listener, and friend of the family – Angie Moser gave uh, to us that I'm going to read to you, but I can't read it right now. But I, I'll get it probably at about 8.30. If you guys are wondering where uh, Judge Napolitano has been, uh, they, the judge uh, this morning had to cancel. Uh, well, they actually emailed me last night, and I didn't uh, get it until this morning. But said that uh, uh, he's got some speaking engagement, or he's got some thing he's doing that he's got to that he's got to be uh, to, and because he's usually on at about 8.30 uh, New York time, that was about the time he had to be in transit, so uh, he will join us next Tuesday. Uh, Judge Napolitano will, so he passes on his regrets to all of you, so... All right, I'm going to, uh, so I don't get kicked off of Facebook, I'm going to go ahead and play uh, another piece from the Bernie sisters. Now, they're on the they're on the gaslight label, and uh, they were discovered by the folks here at Gaslight. In fact, and and uh, and the Bernie sisters are they're thirteen and ten years old, and they're from Missouri. In fact, is outside of Columbia or Springfield, Columbia, yeah. Uh, and they're thirteen and ten years old, and they uh, do they'll occasionally do a cover, but but they're, they're but they're 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 writing their own material here. And so they're on the Gaslight label if you want to check them out. The Bernie Sisters, B-U-R-N-E-Y Sisters. And this is a tune called Ocean Eyes. I'll be just uh, back in one second, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, am I, am I doing this right? Oh, hang on. There you go. 13 and 10. Mercy hail about the skies in your ocean eyes. You and I, we talk and I wish. When I'm feeling there's so much I wanna say, I wish it wasn't all that hard inside your mind I'm sure you get this all the time but your ocean eyes you're looking at me with those ocean eyes and now I know where you keep all your lies your ocean 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 eyes
looking at me, I'm looking at you. What do you want me to do? You and I, we could talk the night away. All right, so what'd you think? When I'm with you, there's so much I want to say. Is it the I older, wish uh, it wasn't all that hard. To see inside your mind, I'm sure you get this all the time, but your ocean eyes, you're looking at me with those old 13 and eyes. 10 years old, can you believe this? And now I know where you keep all your Matt, lies. thank you. So they both sing, ocean, as you could tell. Ocean, ocean uh, they both sing, but the older one is the one who writes most of the songs. Ben Murphy brought me another cup of coffee. All right. Thank you, man. You can do what you want. That's more coffee than I ever needed, you know. The Bernie sisters uh, get into St. Louis quite a bit, don't they, Matt? Yeah, so you, you just keep an eye out for them. Sisters, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. They are good at what they do. All right, let me get uh, let me get um, uh, Mr. Talent on here real quickly, and then I'm going to then I, then I, when when I'm done with Jimmy, I will uh, I'll do uh, I'll give you guys the uh, the uh, the survey that Angie gave to me. Let me see. Let me see. All right, Jim Talent, people. I, I should have his number already plugged in here, but uh, listen to me. I, I, of course, I, I don't. Um, let me see here. Uh, info here. Um, okay, here. Let me just do it real quickly here. You guys like this when I'm just babbling on about and I don't know what I'm doing? Here, let me just get Jimmy on Skype. It's real, though, right? Getting the real skinny here. It's a weird noise that Skype makes. Jim Talent. Hello. Good morning this morning, Jim Talent. How are you, buddy? Fine, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing great. I think uh, we... I, I, last week, did we miss a week last week? No, we didn't. We had you on last week. That's right. Um, I just wanted to make sure. I, I uh, Sometimes I feel like uh, if I don't talk to you... Um, Right away, I, I miss you. That's just, I'm just saying. I miss. I miss you. I, I was, uh, by the way, a mutual friend of ours yesterday. Um, Mr. John Beck says hello to you. By the way, so give John my best. I definitely I hope he's doing well. He's doing great. Looks great and is uh, on fire. Uh, so he's 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 doing a great job. All right. So uh, I the, the obviously uh, the situation on Friday with the with the hearing was an, an amazing sight to behold. And then of course we have Jeff Flake out of nowhere with the FBI investigation. What are you sensing? I mean, you're you've been steeped in the Senate for a long time, and and, and so you know a lot of these players here. Uh, what are you sensing is going to happen with this Kavanaugh deal? Well, I, I believe he's going to get confirmed. I said three months ago, I thought he'd be confirmed with 53 votes, 54 votes. I still think that, um, he's a, a very qualified 
judge. Uh, his nomination deserves to be confirmed, and I think uh, these allegations have been effectively disproven. And I think this, uh, the FBI investigation is, is, if it does anything, it's simply going to cast further doubt on the reliability of, um, of uh, uh, Christine Ford's account. So I think he's going to get confirmed. But, you know, it's a crazy world, and, and uh, one always has to hedge a little bit. But I'm, I'm sticking with my original prediction. Yeah, I, and, and, but here's the thing. How do we know, like, for instance, when it comes to uh, Murkowski and Collins and those folks, do you sense, I mean, I, my sense even before all this was that they were, that, 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 sh- that they were going to be a yes vote anyway. I, I thought that once everything was kind of cleared up and figured out that they were actually ultimately going to be a yes vote. But, uh, but uh, what has to happen? I think a lot of people are confused. Let's just pretend that Jeff Flake is a no vote. What what do how many votes do they need? Uh, and obviously, they need fifty. Okay, 50. they need fifty because that will create a tie, and the vice president will vote and break it in favor of approving the nomination. I don't think there's going to be a tie. I think there'll be a couple of Democrats who vote for him. I could be wrong about that. Uh, they're in a real box politically. Um, you know, part of me really sympathizes with them because um, it's a very difficult position for them to be in. But on the other hand, their names are on the door. You know, this is, this is what you want when you run. So you got to make these calls. I say a difficult position politically. It's not difficult on the merits. Uh, the guys, one of the more qualified nominees in recent times, and these charges are just not true. I mean, uh, <clears throat> the, the evidence is overwhelming that they're not true. In fact, I, uh, if you told me a month ago somebody was going to raise a charge like this, I'd have been surprised to find out that it has as little support as it has. So, um, I mean, I, we could go through it. You've probably read the articles and talked about them on the show, oh, yeah, Jamie. Sure. But, I mean, you know, it's like every other witness that she claims was there has denied the account. So it's not she said, he said. She said against four or five other people, uh, her version of events has changed in significant ways. Um, she's not, um, she's not been as forthcoming as she could be because the first time she remembered this was like 25 or not remembered it, but talked about it was like 25 years later. That is suspect to me. I mean, I, I would think that, that the person in that position would talk to somebody. Right. I mean, your parents, your best friend, your husband, rather than 25 years later, it came out in therapy, but we don't have the notes from the therapy. So what happened in therapy was really important to assessing credibility and, and they're not forthcoming uh, in giving those notes. I mean, you could redact things that were not related to it. I mean, I would understand that, but I think the notes should have been, you know, forthcoming. And then I just, you know, to have something like this happen and then not to be able to give any account of what you did afterwards. In other words, you leave the house. Okay. So how do you get home? You, you, you don't remember anything about where you got home. Yeah. I just find that it's, it, it all tends to, to render the account unreliable. And if you're, if you just step back and you just, and you, and you abstract all the, the, uh, the contextual issues, you know, do you want Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court or not on, on the Supreme Court? Do you, 
like Kavanaugh, like her, and you just look at those facts, and it's pretty overwhelming. I mean, it really is. And and so, if you were making a decision, and and uh, and and you were you know responsible for doing that, or it was very important to you to get it right, I just don't see how you would credit the um, the testament. It doesn't mean she's insincere. It just means that uh, that she's wrong in naming Kavanaugh. That it was something else that she remembers. So. Uh, since on the merits, I think it's so clear, uh, I, I think he's going to get confirmed. Wow. If they didn't, you know, if, if the Democrat, that's what I think. Yeah. Now, I mean, don't anybody call me up and no. say, Jim, you know, you let us <laughs> astray because I, you asked me to guess and I'm guessing. Uh, and I, I just, if, if you look at the Democrats had a majority in the Senate, he wouldn't get confirmed. In fact, he wouldn't, need, you know, he wouldn't even get a vote. Yeah. Right. So there are people who disagree with his ju- his jurisprudence and they're going to vote based on that. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't believe in doing that when I was in the Senate, but okay, if that's what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. I just don't think this is going to change anything, uh, in terms of the vote. I do think it may change things in terms of the politics that, you know, in an election year, but I don't think it's going to change anything in terms of the vote. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's interesting too, because, because really, you know, uh, I'm I'm glad that that Kavanaugh has has been able to be out there, uh, very vocal, and, and and you know we've we still have some of these women be like the Swetnick person was interviewed by NBC News, and of course that whole story has fallen apart, and uh, you know her ex boyfriend is saying that she threatened to kill his unborn child, and she's got all kinds of messes around her, and and, and so. When the FBI actually delves into this, what what are they doing? Like what what they, they've they've already they, when when there were background checks conducted, they are conducted by the FBI. So there have been six different variations of background checks of Kavanaugh. Yeah, well, I presume that they're investigating almost you know like a police agency, which they are in one level. Uh, this uh, you know this incident or this alleged incident. And they're going to, I think, uncover the same things that we already know, just the, the list of things I just gave you. Um, and uh, I, I think they're going to reach the conclusion. Well, uh, the FBI presents, you know, their, their investigation. They're not, they, they probably won't, like, give us a conclusion. They're, I don't know if they're really supposed to, but I don't think it's going to discover anything new. And the fact that, that now people are charging Kavanaugh with drinking too much in high school, et cetera, to me shows that um, this, that they're coming off this charge a little bit because it's, it's, uh, it's been disproven. Yeah. You know, there's a point, Jamie, where we're entitled to say, not just that the charge hasn't been proven, but that it's been disproved. You know, and that, that's, I, I think you're, when you assess all the evidence and it all suggests that her identification of him and her account of, of the incident is unreliable. Um, and given all the evidence in, in, in favor of his innocence, I think you conclude that it's been proven that he didn't do it. Right. Right. And now, now the latest thing is that apparently there was some kind of 1985 uh, bar brawl that Kavanaugh was involved in. And this is when he's a junior in college. And uh, it was after a UB40 concert, apparently. And they were all in there and... Um, you know, you know, uh, 
they thought that the guy who was sitting there was the lead singer of UB40. <laughs> And and they were and they were I guess looking at the guy, and the guy said something back at them, and then they got into a, a skirmish of sorts. And so and and apparently uh, this is something the FBI is looking at. It's like really, I mean, a, a bar fight that where there were no charges filed at all. There, nobody was you know uh, charged with anything, charged with assault or anything else. I think the, the cops actually were called, but. Uh, man, this is, it's gotten to this point where it's just like, this is crazy town. Yeah, it, well, it is again, if you just, the, the, the only possible relevance of that, let's say it came up, you know, three months ago would be, does it tell us something about Kavanaugh's temperament that might disqualify him from being on the Supreme court? But the evidence that his judicial temperament is extremely sound is again, overwhelming. The guy's been on the bench for 13 years. And he's had, I mean, this is a question of character witnesses for Kavanaugh. And he's had scores and scores and scores of people from across the political spectrum say that he has a great temperament. So, again, the evidence is overwhelming. And what this comes down to, Jamie, and, I, you know, I get it. Um, I, 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 I didn't like it when President Obama appointed people to the Supreme Court whose judicial, whose jurisprudence I disagreed with a lot of the time. But... Okay. I mean, uh, the president has appointed people that he thinks are going to do a good job whose jurisprudence he agrees with. That's the way the system works. And I think he's going to get confirmed. And, um, you know, so I think I I may have said to you on one of our interviews months ago that what I hoped for the sake of the system and also because of the humanity of the thing was that people who didn't like how they suspected Kavanaugh would vote in a narrow narrow set of cases we just vote against him for that reason rather than trying to destroy him personally. Well, uh, that, that, that hope proved to be forlorn. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, sure. I mean, because, because really in the end, uh, what we're, what we're seeing, I, I, I have to tell you, having been around, uh, and st- I think there was a great book out a while back and it was about the Supreme Court justices, uh, and I can't remember what it was called, but it was really a cool book, in, uh, kind of an inside look into the workings of the Supreme Court justices. And, and really, when you look at it from a standpoint of personality, uh, these Supreme Court justices are pretty tough people. I mean, um, even when you listen to them, and, 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 and nowadays we have the privilege of being able to hear uh, – the, the the proceedings, you know, in audio form, and, and when you listen to them, they're pretty tough people. Clarence Thomas rarely ever talks, but but he's a tough guy. Scalia, when he was there, was a was a, a very tough guy. When I, when I say tough, I mean um, they're they're very confident, they're very intelligent, uh, they're they're uh, strong willed. It seems, and um, so. I don't know what people necessarily mean by temperament. I mean, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg had had a level of toughness that even uh, Scalia appreciated. So it just seems to me, and Sotomayor's, I mean, they're all pretty tough people. It doesn't doesn't surprise me that you got a guy like uh, Kavanaugh being considered. I don't think he's much different than any of the other folks out there personality-wise. No, I mean, and they run, the judges run the gamut. I mean, for me, when I talk about temperament, what I mean is, being objective, okay, so in other words, you make a decision based on the facts and the law as you're able to see it, 
rather than on the outcome you would sympathize with. It's really important for judges to have that temperament. And then the other thing is on a personal level, and remember I, you know, I was a lawyer for a while. I don't like judges who are rude to other people in circumstances where the other person can't be rude back to them. Right. Right. In other words, you're sitting on the bench. So now if the lawyer doesn't treat you with the utmost respect, you hold him or her in contempt. And so then you proceed to be rude and, you know, to be rude in those circumstances, I think is cowardly. I don't like judges who do that. I'm not saying I would vote against confirming them, but you know, I, I ran for governor in the year 2000. And if I got elected, I would actually have appointed some state court judges. And that's a question I was going to ask them. That's something I was going to find out about. You know, are you the kind of person who takes advantage of your judicial robes to dress people down and belittle them uh, when they can't get right back in your face and do it to you, right? Because I don't like that. Uh, so that's kind of what I mean. And there's no sign whatsoever that Kavanaugh can't consider cases objectively or that he, uh, you know, he's rude to people on the bench. I don't think anybody's accused him of that. So, again, you're, you, you just come down to the question uh you know, if you don't like how you think he's going to vote, okay, and, and that's, how you, that's how you make decisions in the Senate on judges, you know, fine. And, and, you know, the courts have gotten so powerful, Jamie, and they do things that, that, that are more uh, uh, the province of legislatures that these tend to become more like mini political elections. You know, do I like the guy or gal? Right. Um, and um, so I, maybe that's inevitable to some extent. You know, I, I tried not to do it, but I understand the, the you know, the lure of that for senators. I, I don't understand, and I, and I don't agree with this going after people, you know, personally. Well, I'm not surprised he got angry. Oh, no. You there? Where'd you go? Here, I'm going to have to call him back. And uh, that's what we saw. Well, yeah, okay, you, you, you cut out there, but I, I, I get it that he got angry. Uh, and, and, but here's the thing that that, that we we're now in a an environment where it's it's pretty scary. I mean, you you, you have now, uh, and I do believe, and, and it doesn't, and it's dawning on me that uh, that that the Democrats are utilizing this uh, as a means of trying to promote. Uh, the the gender gap issue. They're trying to. Either they're worried about the uh, female vote, and I think what they're trying to do is drive a wedge uh, in between uh, male and female in this country and make this about male and female. When I I I, I don't think obviously most of the people the, the 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 women listening to the Radio Free Almond Show and on Facebook they don't buy into this whole thing that that that. Anybody who doubts the story is a sexist abuser, uh, but there are a lot of people out there utilizing this whole drama as a means of creating this this gap. And then you have the people who are completely, seemingly unfair. Does it matter whether or not the allegations are proven? Like, for instance, right now, Kavanaugh uh, is not going to be teaching at Harvard Law School in the winter because some 750 Harvard Law School graduates – I mean, graduates, they're not even there anymore, signed a letter calling on the, uh, the school to rescind his appointment as a lecturer. 
because of the misconduct allegations that have not been proven. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what, what is, is going on in this country now. Well, among its, its uh, influencing class, let's just say, I think you're right. I don't think this affects most Americans. Uh, but I do think that there are people in the influencing class, which is the term I use for elites, uh, who, who reason this way. Uh, I don't agree with X about a range of things. Therefore, X is terrible, a terrible human being. Right. Okay. Which is not true. And I've, I've had to do this over the years with some Republican audiences when I, you know, when I talk about the Democrats who are close friends of mine and really wonderful people. And, uh, I, we kid each other, um, uh, I and my Democratic friends about how they can be such great people and yet, you know, not see the light in so many areas. And that's what they think about me. Right. And right. okay. Political differences should not, the, the, the political should not be personal. It's a principle I tried to stand for all those years because it, uh, it reduces people to the sum total of their political views, which is wrong. And you know, the truth of the matter is Jamie and you and I've had this conversation. There's something to be said, generally speaking, uh, for both sides of the political spectrum in terms of their views on policy. I mean, the left and the right are yin and the yang, and they need each other to be healthy, and they need each other in the system. Uh, they, they often, it's often compromise that produces the best result. We've gotten very far away from that, but it's the fault of the influencers. I, do, I really don't think it's the people. Um, I, I just... Uh, I, I, I do. I mean, if there's anything that discourages me, it's how people who should be responsible, who, you know, who should be more, uh, whose experience should have made them more broad-minded, who actually are very narrow-minded. And, um, you know, we're seeing that, I think, with this. And it, it's, it's riling things up. But I think at the end of the day, I think Kavanaugh's going to get confirmed. And I, I think... Um, it, uh, I'm not. I'm not at all sure, certain that this was, a, from a political standpoint, a good move for the Democrats at this point because yeah. it's uh, it's it's shifting the frame of the election towards uh, you know which I think was going their way uh, towards a whole different set of issues that may not go their way, and it's also energizing uh, their political opponents to get out and vote, which I think was a you know was a problem for Republicans. So yeah. we'll see what happens. I mean. Yeah, that's you know, the voters will make a decision and, uh, and and we'll see what, you know, what they decide and why six weeks from now or five weeks from now, I guess. Yeah, very interesting. You make that comment about the energizing of the voters uh, because, you know, obviously of Republican voters, because now suddenly uh, and, and again, I always felt that Trump supporters were just as energized as they were. Uh, November 2016, because my my the the common sense part of me says there's no way anybody is going to go to the polls or uh, and and purposely vote for people who are going to roll back the president's agenda, and certainly there aren't many people who are purposely going to just simply sit home and uh, and, and and not vote risking the fact that there might be people popped in there who will roll back his agenda. And the great example of that yesterday with the reworking of NAFTA, I mean, I don't know how a union member who voted for President Trump in 2016 could possibly go back to the polling places in, in, uh, in the midterms and vote for somebody who's going to 
roll back the progress that is being made. Yeah, I mean, you really, um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Canadians and NAFTA. And I said at the time, I thought the, I thought the Canadians would get on board the train now that it was leaving the station, and they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really, you, you do, the, what the president's trade agenda, I think, has been very innovative. I really think that he's introduced an important new set of considerations in that policy debate, that we actually can use trade effectively to help our own economy and also effectively as a tool of foreign policy. I really like what he's doing with that. Um, you know, you're right, Jay. It doesn't, may not affect many people, but remember, this is something we tend to forget because, you know, we're a mature uh, democracy, the United States is, which means that it's at a, there's a political equilibrium. And so a swing of a couple percent one way or the other can make a big difference, Right. That's, you know, one voter out of 50 swinging makes a big difference in elections. I mean, I know that I, I ran in four elections that were determined by less than that. Okay. Uh, one, two and lost two. So I, I know that swings can make a you know, swings that are small in an absolute sense can make a big difference in terms of what happens with elections. And I, this is a big enough issue that it, it holds that potential. I don't know how that's going to play out. But it's kind of rare for an issue to come up in the last six weeks or two months of, a, of an election cycle that has the potential to change the frame of it, and this one does. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And, and that, that is very interesting. Now, uh, back then, uh, full circle onto the vote. So uh, Mitch McConnell says that there will be a vote, or he wants a vote this Friday. Uh, do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, barring, again, something very strange, uh, if, I don't think he would say that unless he intended to do it, and he can call it up whenever he wants. Uh, they'll have, I don't know what it is now, 30 hours of speeches or the, a maximum of that amount, and then they'll vote. And, uh, again, I don't think that the leader would have said that unless he intended to do it, right? So it's got to be something strange to happen for him not to do that, and I assume that he has been informed at least on the progress in the timetable of this FBI investigation. So he's, you know, he's probably has a pretty good idea that it'll, that'll be over by then, or at least we'll have reached a point where, you know, it will be ripe to vote. So I would expect that to happen this week. And as I said, I think he's going to get confirmed. I mean, I, I'd be very surprised if he's not, but I've been surprised before. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly enough too, I have to tell you, that uh, for a lot of us, there have been two big surprises and pleasant ones uh, throughout all this, and that is uh, Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, two people who oftentimes are the brunt of disdain on the part of some Republicans, uh, and 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 they're sometimes uh, referred to as being you know, members of the swamp and part of the swamp and this and this and this. But two of the strongest personalities, it seems, throughout all this on the part of Republicans, aside from obviously the president here, has been none other than Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham. And and, and, and Kavanaugh yeah. wasn't even McConnell's first or second choice. Yeah, well, uh, as to Lindsey, and we talked about this last week, uh, he's, a, he's a very human person. I mean, he relates to people as human beings. And I think he was very upset 
uh, with what what's happened to Kavanaugh, number one, and with with the fact that people he considered colleagues were acting in a manner that he thought was grossly uncollegial. And, um, you know, when he has tried to be fair over the years uh, to them, and that that's what I heard him saying. And I think, you know, I watched some of the Democrats who were on screen and right afterwards, and I think they recognized the justice of that to some degree, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, again, you know, people are going from the premise that they really think Kavanaugh's jurisprudence is unfair and bad to the conclusion that therefore Kavanaugh must be a terrible person and that therefore uh, he's probably guilty of this. So that that's the reasoning that's going through here. It does happen on both sides and it's a, it's a, it's a false syllogism. I mean, uh, I don't think the premise is true. I don't think his jurisprudence is bad, but even if it is true, that doesn't mean that he's capable of this kind of thing. It, it, you know, it bears no relationship to that. So, you know, there's people on the Supreme Court that on these controversies, they vote together a lot of the time, by the way, Jamie. I mean, this idea that they, that they split five to four and everything is not true. In the last couple of years, you've seen some very, what people think of as an unusual coalitions. So maybe people will be encouraged to hear that. But just because people on the other side on some, some you know, highly visible issue doesn't mean that they're a bad lawyer or a bad judge. Yeah, right, right. Well, I, you I know, just... see, Jamie, people who tend to be really interested in these issues, which is great, and to have reached firm conclusions, just can't understand how an intelligent person could disagree with them. <laughs> and uh, when you do what I've done, you, you're forced to that understanding because you sit next to intelligent people who disagree with you all the time. Right. And right. you go, well, I guess, I guess that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. Uh, I, okay. Finally, just one quick question about the, when, you, when you talked about uh, collegiality. Uh, you, for a lot of us, you know, uh, th- there's something about the Senate that's interesting in terms of uh, – there, there was a lot of talk whenever there was uh, some kind of statement made by these people. Uh, they always prefaced things like, you know, well, he's a good friend of mine, uh, but I did it. And some people, uh, you know, like, like for us, like watching this, it's like, well, dude, why, why are you, uh, you know, why do you have to be that? And is there a certain kind of level of I'm – not, I'm not saying they need to yell at each other and call each other names, but everything is prefaced, prefaced by, you know, well, Cory Booker is a good friend of mine. We worked on a lot of things together. It's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know whether I want to hear that. I, I, I want to hear you kind of put up a fight, but I don't know. Is that just the kind of the, 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 the well, culture? Well, see, you can put up a fight saying that. Yeah, it's, and it's a very important – that's what the norms people talk about. And let's not run down norms. I mean, yeah. really, in a, in, a, in a constitutional government, the norms, in a sense, are all we have. It's what we're, we all should be loyal to, regardless of our disagreements on policy. Um, in a democracy, I've said this a number of times, Jamie, on your program, I think, how you do something in a democracy is as or sometimes more important than what you actually end up doing. Okay, that's it's what it's all about. It's right. what separates us from systems where we just have an autocrat who just doesn't worry about any of that stuff and just goes and does it. So some norms are informal, and you you, you want the Congress to be able to work together, even though they disagree about things. You want people to be civil, 
that's one of the reasons that the institution is at such a low ebb in the minds of the public because they're constantly trampling on the norms. Now, the word collegial may have come across as an inside Washington game to people. I just meant that, you know, that, that Lindsay has tried over the years. Look, I disagree with Lindsey Graham about a lot of things he said over the years and done. Yeah. But, but he tries to treat people in a way that respects their right to be at the table. This is the, the you know, you, you, you get elected if, if, you, if you respect the process and the people who elect somebody. Okay, so if I look at somebody and I, uh, you know, I, I, I never vote with them on anything, but I should respect the process and, uh, by which they were elected and the people who elected them. And, and that means that you observe certain norms in the way that you treat them. Now, sometimes you can go overboard with that. Um, you really can be very vigorous. In, 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 in attacking a person's point of view uh, while respecting those norms. You just have to challenge yourself to do that, see? And right. that, it's, a, it's a cheap and easy way to get personal, you know? And we see that all the time. I think a lot of the reason we see this among the influencers is they don't understand the system or the issues well enough to do this in an effective way and in the right way. They're ignorant. And I see this all the time uh, in the press. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, just compared to when I started, they're just ignorant. Yeah. They don't understand these issues that they feel so strongly about. And I just feel like you need to sit down and I'm, I'm going on a rant. So I'll wrap it up. I used to tell my staff all the time, you know, before I make a final decision on something, I'd say, look, give me the three or four toughest arguments, hardest arguments against what, what I'm thinking of doing here. Cause if I can't answer those arguments, I need to go, I, you know, I need to take a step back and reconsider the whole thing. And I just don't think people in the press do that. I don't think they challenge themselves in that way. No, they, they clearly not. Not you, of course. No, no, but they they clearly don't. I mean, we just had Ted Turner and Jeff Greenfield both on CNN. Well, Ted Turner founded CNN, but then Jeff Greenfield was was sitting on CNN when he told him. He said, "You guys have really lost your focus. You're you're not really balanced at all." Uh, as a news network and but but back really quickly to the, the to the uh, to the norm issue so because one of the problems we have like for instance everything is so political and everybody is motivated by in our opinion things that aren't associated with real policy like for instance uh, none of us believe that Jeff Flake is honestly and credibly just simply looking out for the country when he suddenly switched his uh, viewpoint on this FBI investigation and called for another week. And, 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 it, and it, you know, it might be that everything he was doing was designed perfectly, credibly, and with, with an open heart in mind to make sure that this was a decision that all Republicans could support and it would actually wind up helping them in the midterms because the process was made I guess, more credible or more thorough. But then a lot of us out there know Jeff Flake and know that he doesn't like the president, that he tends to be an obstructionist. He said this time and time again on the floor of the Senate. And so uh, while something might look normal or be normal, we can't trust it to be a norm because of the personality attached to it. Uh, Well, I mean, I would say that... uh the norm here is to make considered decisions uh, and not to get, you know, buffaloed. And I think 
he got a little buffaloed. In other words, I, I think this is an example. I believe it's an example of poor decision making. Now, I think it's going to work out fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, I would not have done what he did. I mean, I would have said to people, look, we've investigated this out the kazoo. And, you know, when you have, again, I, when you have the list of things I gave you at the beginning, all mm-hmm. suggesting that her account of this is not reliable and that the evidence is proven it didn't happen the way she said it happened. It doesn't mean, again, that she was deliberately, um, you know, fabricating. It just means that she's wrong. And so I don't know what another, what a, a, a further investigation is going to prove. I think if it would satisfy some of the, the longtime opponents, if they, if they might say, okay, you know, we've had this investigation, so we're still going to vote against Kavanaugh because we disagree with him as a judge, but we agree that he didn't do this. Then it might be worthwhile just to get that additional level of unity. But does anybody believe that's going to happen? No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, so what is the point? There, there really aren't any facts that we need to uncover, and it's not going to create greater unity likely to create greater disunity so we're ready to vote i mean just let's let's go and have the vote that's how i would have you know that's how i would have done it um so but i don't think flakes covered himself with glory on either side and what he's done in this right yeah no i i don't think so either it's kind of driving a lot of us nuts but uh you know hopefully (laughs) hopefully it does work out i mean listen if 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 it were like mike lee doing it i could understand or you know it, it had to be the one guy Who's like the the never Trump guy? You know, it ha- it had to be him who did that. You know that, and that's what drove us all. Well, you crazy. know, Jamie, there are people. There's a role in legislative bodies for people who who are obstructionist a lot yeah. of the time, yeah. and it's an important role. And I've seen it's like every other role. I mean, I was a legislator. I I tried to actually get things passed. And I think that was a pretty good one because I think the things I passed were pretty good. I got it done, and I think they benefited the people. Of course, that's my opinion. So you can be a good obstructionist, and I've seen him. Don Nichols, you remember that's a name from the past, right? Don Nichols and Judd Gregg uh, were, were, you know, they were great at that, and they uh, and they played that role in a way that really benefited the people. But you can play a role badly too. In other words, you can be an obstructionist in a way that doesn't work out, where you're not effective, and where you know you don't help the people when you are effective. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's. Um, I used to say all the time to people, you got to hold, and I still do when people get elected, I say, you got to hold your own road. You got to decide what kind of role you're going to play, what issues you're going to prioritize. You know, you have to have an, you have to have a set of priorities for yourself or you're going to fail. And then you have to do it well, or you're going to fail. It's not an easy job. I'll tell you that to do it right. Uh, and in a way that's consistent, with your own integrity and effective at the same time, it's hard. Jim Towell just said, ho, you know what? Anyway, here's the thing. I've often said, uh, that, that the Senate itself is designed to be an obstruction. The Senate was, was a brilliantly crafted, uh, interventionary body, uh, that was, isn't it true that the Senate, the founding fathers created the Senate to be an obstruction, correct? Yeah, well, I, I would, I think it's an example of a broader truth. And this is, this I find really interesting, which is they set it up to make it unusually difficult for the legislative branch to act. So there are two houses 
which have effective, equal, and effect, basically equal, and effective legislative power. And they both have to agree. Uh-huh. So the Constitution contains a number of constraints, gives the president a veto. Even if you get through the whole process and both houses agree, the president can, 99 times out of 100, unless he's overridden, can stop the, the, the bill from becoming a law. So we have a system where the framers deliberately set it up that way, which is one of the reasons I typically argue against adding a whole lot of even more obs- uh, obstructive kinds of things to the system, which is one of the reasons I never liked the filibuster. Right, right. The system's, uh, it, 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 if this were the House of Commons in Great Britain, a supermajority requirement to pass something might make more sense because there aren't that many constraints on the House of Commons. And so you might want to add one. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's in the long run healthy to be adding a lot of um, things that are not constitutionally required. Jamie, you know, until fairly recent times, they didn't, we didn't go through all this with confirmations. There weren't necessarily even hearings. And I would do that with, with lower level confirmable executive branch appointees. Why do you have to go through this panoply for the assistant secretary of something at the department of energy? Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, no. it's, it's better. It's better to look at now. Obviously, you would, the president's investigated before. He's the president's not trying to appoint people who have huge personal flaws, right? That's kind of dumb for a president to do. I mean, either party, right? So the president's investigated them. Go through an investigation. Ask the obvious questions. Look at the person's general record, and then vote. And if it turns out that it was a mistake. Uh, you know, it's, it, you'll find out about it and the assistant secretary is going to have to resign if there's something in there that's really, really bad. Right. Um, that's better than gumming up the system with all this stuff, particularly for the lower level people. Now, Supreme court judges, I get it. Okay. But for others, let's make the government work, you know? Right. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. And, and, and I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 boy, when you when you do think about the system the founding fathers and the framers created, it really is truly uh, the most perfect I've I could possibly imagine. So, um, I, I, you know, well, it it fits our system and our temperament, I think, very well, Jamie. It just people in it have to have a sense of of what the broader, longer term health of the of the country requires, and. Um, and have to find a way to try and protect that, even in the middle of a lot of of of, uh, of current political controversy. Yeah, right, right. I, I don't know that we're ending this interview on a on a high note. Is this good radio? Yeah, or, yeah no, uh, no. I, I like to I like to talk about some of these things because people are you know we've gotten a look at a process and a a formulation of governance that sometimes is a mystery to us and, and we don't understand how things operate like this and why things are. And so I think it's fascinating stuff. It's great civic stuff. And uh, you're always good for that, buddy. But I, I appreciate you very much, Jimmy. <laughs> good for something anyway. <laughs> exactly. No, it was great. It was great conversation. People love, people love this. And, and we, and I like the fact that we have as much time as we do uh, to, to, to do this. And, and that's what I, I appreciate very much. So. You know, one really good thing, Jamie, and we've seen this in these when we've had these in-person type meetings with hundreds of people, right, is the American people get can get this stuff and they do get it. And again, it's the failure of the influencers uh, to to discuss and explain these issues 
I really don't think it's, and that's the encouraging thing. I don't think it's a failure of the people writ large. I mean, they really get this stuff. I talk to college campuses and high schools and talk about this stuff, and the kids understand it. Right. It's just that we got you know all these supposedly responsible outlets uh, that do very little of it. I, I get the economics of it. You got to get people clicking, right? I mean, I understand that. Uh, we all have to have a an economic model that makes sense. But boy, I'd like to see a little bit more. Um, intelligence, persuasion, and explanation rather than just, you know, this beating people, trying to beat people into submission. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's been, it's, 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 yeah. been, it's been exhausting. And, and, uh, but, but nonetheless, uh, it makes the win that much sweeter if it comes, that's for sure. Yeah, well, we'll see this week, All right, my brother. friend. I guess I'm going out on a limb here, so we'll see. I know, I know. It'll be it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. It's 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 at the very least entertaining, even even if it is frustrating. So, Jim Talent, thanks a ton, man. Have a great rest of your weekend. Same to you, Jamie. Okay, brother. Appreciate you very much. Yeah, I always love having Jim on because he's he likes this kind of stuff, and I like to talk to him. And oftentimes, before back in the old days, never really had much of a chance to to dig into stuff sometimes and and uh i hope you all find it as uh interesting as i do because i i like to geek out on this kind of stuff sometimes you know what i'm saying yeah well i will tell you folks thank you to uh golden oak lending and 314-567-GOLD is the uh number for these guys and what they're gonna do is going to make it really easy for you to close that refi loan. Don't even get you approved over the phone for crying out loud. I have to wake up with the blues. It's not too late. Millions of dollars available with mortgage rates in the threes. So you uh, want to pay off your high interest credit card debt or you want to Fix up your home. Maybe you're going to take up uh, my man Michael Proctor on your window treatments and, uh, you know, roll with Golden Oak Lending. Free mortgage checkup. Qualify you right over the phone. You can even skip two months of mortgage payments. 314-567-GOLD. GOLD. GOLD. Come on, people. Not love for Molly Hatchet. I demand that you all, you all, offer it up for, for Molly Hatchet. I, I, I demand that all of you take a moment of silence to thank the Lord for Molly Hatchet. There's a poll out that says 60% want Kavanaugh confirmed if the FBI dismisses the allegations. 60%. Have we ever seen a number like that in anything we've been doing here lately? This is a, this is a uh, Harvard-Harris poll. 1,330 registered voters. They said if the FBI clears Brett Kavanaugh... 60% of Americans want him confirmed to the Supreme Court. That's a lot of people. 
Uh, that's that's a lot of people. I mean, I, I, have we have we seen a poll of late that has a sixty percentage number to it? Except maybe like you know, a poll about whether or not people like ice cream or candy or beer or the sunshine <laughs> vacation I haven't seen anybody get a 60% for anything in America these days and now 60% want Kavanaugh confirm it's pretty damn formidable It appears that once voters know the whole truth, they basically overwhelmingly side with him. And also, they did the poll, and 69% agree with Kavanaugh and Lindsey Graham that the proceedings have been a national disgrace. Seventy-five percent of those polled believe Diane Feinstein should have turned over Ford's letter months earlier. So that this debacle might have been avoided. And 63% believe Kavanaugh will eventually be cleared and confirmed. Unbelievable. That's all those are gigantic numbers there. you believe in a, in, a, in, a, in a polarized country that we have right now and as tough as things have been that 60% want him confirmed to the Supreme Court. I don't even think any justice ever got that number. It's the Harvard Caps Harris poll. I know what Caps means. But let's put it this way. It's not like a... Uh, it's not one of these, uh, you know, online polls or something. It's Harvard. This is the this is the same, by the way, Harvard, where 750 graduates decided they were going to uh, write a letter to Harvard, wanting wanting Kavanaugh's role as a lecturer rescinded. It's unbelievable. These are graduates. So you know what? Go do whatever you're doing, Harvard graduates. You're not you're not here anymore. So pound sand, Get the hell out of here. Who cares what you think? You're graduates. Yeah, what's these left wing Harvard graduates? You believe that? Not even the students. Not even the students are the ones writing the letter. Yeah, yeah, sixty yeah. percent people. Unbelievable. You have 20,000 people attending this rally in Tennessee. 20,000 people. 20,000 people, people. I mean, that's just unreal. By the way, uh, you this uh, Beto O'Rourke. has apologized 
for once writing that the only qualifications of actresses in Broadway's The Will Rogers Follies were their phenomenally large breasts and tight buttocks. So this is when O'Rourke was working in 1991 at the Columbia Daily Spectator. Uh, And he wrote a column about how the Will Rogers Folly Show. uh, How'd that just go off? Hold on. I was just about to say how great that song is and and that it, it lasts so long. And then it turned off. Let me just see what the, what happened here. Oh, it does just end. I didn't know that's how the song ended. It's a seven-minute song. Love that. Hey, that was back in the day when the uh, you'd put that on and the, and the DJ would go out and smoke a bowl, take a break, and then come back in. Seven-minute songs. It's on vinyl. Wasn't that long ago? I'm just saying that's what that's what they did. But yeah, uh, these these are the these are this is this is the world we're living in right now, people. And, and you know what? Beto O'Rourke said that, or Beto, or whatever the hell his name is, can't count. Uh, I don't care whether he said that. It just it just goes to more speaks more to uh, the the uh, left wing hypocrisy. But that's about it. Cory Booker went to Hollywood to raise cash for 2020, and. Uh, you know, uh, he's just these, and then and then you have Jillum who's out there and running for uh, uh, for the um, governor of, of Florida, and he's uh, posting with. Uh, oh, did they pull me off the air from Molly Hatchet off of Facebook? They pulled me off Facebook for Molly Hatchet. Damn you, people! Come on, how'd that happen? I oh well. Let's get back on. I'm only have seven minutes left of the show. I was going to get to my, uh, I was going to get to my Democratic Party survey. Maybe I'll have to do that tomorrow because right? I, I don't think people can catch up fast enough for me to get on here. And I wasn't playing Molly. I mean, I think maybe it was that last one I did. It just kind of stopped. Maybe I just shouldn't have have uh, gone back and, and listened to it for. A, I did listen to it for a little bit longer, but they took me off for that. Oh well. So anyway, no. Uh, so Jillum. Uh, has a picture of himself on Facebook uh, with a guy named Philip Agnew, the co-founder of Dream Defenders, a radical organization that wants to end capitalism. So they espouse socialism and they and they and they hate Independence Day and they boycott Israel and in fact they promote anti-Israel conspiracies and, and that's what they do. And and of course, Jillum is uh, is taking his his photo with them he, at this thing, and I get, he calls them um, you know uh, friends and everything else. You know, and in fact, when they were protesting uh, these Dream Defenders, and again, again, these are anti-Israel. Anti-capitalism, anti-American, really, because they independence stated them as a horrible day. And uh, he actually has been on video as uh, 
saying he was proud to have uh, sneaked these guys uh, food when they were doing a sleep in there at at a 30-day protest at the Florida State Capitol. It was an anti-gun protest after the Trayvon Martin uh, shooting. And so these dream defenders are, are bad people, but Gillum is, there he is. He's, he's uh, you know, he's all signed up. He's all ready to go. Amazing. Well, I'll get to this. I'll get to this Democratic Party thing uh, a little later on because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get out of here pretty soon here. And, I, I, and, and this is, came to us from um, Angie Moser, who's a friend of friend of the family, just a great person overall. And uh, she I got a Democratic Party survey in the mail Somehow, um, because she's not, you know, she's kind of one of us, just to let you know. And so she gave this survey to Andrea and to, to get to me. And uh, it's the official 2018 Democratic Party survey. And, and, and one of the surveys is, uh, which uh, Republican policies do you find most troubling? The other one is, which aspects of the Trump presidency do you find most disturbing? And this one is interesting. Uh, and, and I'm trying to figure out, like, why this survey uh, or actually this would actually help them. Uh, which aspects of, of the Trump presidency do you find most disturbing? Uh, it, his erratic temperament and judgment. His attacks on women. How's he? What, what attacks is he waging on women? And how? And where's where is this erratic temperament and judgment coming from? His reckless and dangerous foreign policy positions. You mean where he's keeping North Korea at bay, and and he stopped them from threatening the rest of the world? How? How? What dangerous foreign policy positions has President Trump taken? His admiration of Putin. His offensive and hateful rhetoric. His dangerous rhetoric on North Korea. His dangerous rhetoric on North Korea. What dangerous rhetoric does he have uh, on North Korea? His opposition to women's reproductive freedom. And by the way, uh, when has he ever been against women's reproductive freedoms, except that he has pro-life people on the, uh, that he nominates to the Supreme Court. But my question is, uh, what, uh, when, when has he really been, you know, he, he hasn't, he hasn't asked for an overturning of Roe versus Wade. And he seems to be fairly agnostic on the, on the position of abortion. And I, th- I actually think his economic policies are what is uh, really absolutely pro-life about him. Because I think the, the more people prosper and the more comfortable and hopeful people are, uh, the, the better off um, they are, uh, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to, uh, uh, to decisions to whether to keep a baby or not. His decision to pull out of the Paris Climate Accord and dismissal of climate science now, the president has never dismissed climate science. In fact, there are a lot of indiv- – I love it how they call it climate science. 
Uh, that, that's kind of like talking about uh, when they talk about gun control is they, they call it gun safety legislation. These people just are so Orwellian. What, what is climate science, by the way? And, and how is the president dismissing climate science? His refusal to release his tax returns and eliminate conflicts of interest. Where's, where is that coming from? And why, and why do we need to see the president's tax returns again? His efforts to repeal Obamacare. That's really far down on the list, isn't it? Interesting. His attempts to interfere in the investigation of Russian election meddling. And, and, and that, of course, is an actual uh, legal charge, uh, not really a... Uh, and just a, a, attempting to interfere in the investigation of Russia electoral election meddling is obstruction of justice. And and that hasn't been determined at this juncture that that was the case. And the other option for you is I don't find the Trump presidency disturbing. <laughs> I'm wondering if Angie will let me go ahead and turn this in for her. Um, where I can I can. Uh, answer all uh here which republican policies do you find most troubling and the last one is i am not troubled by the policies of the republican party i I check that box i check i don't find the trump presidency disturbing i would uh i i would uh, um i would fill it how do you receive most of your political news and analyses and i would i would i would say other It'd be Radio Free Almond. I'd put that on there, and uh, that would be that would be it. And I'd, I'd maybe put a couple smarmy comments in the other uh, section there where they can do that. And then and then they want you to give them give them money, which I won't do. I don't even give the Republican Party money. Give Donald Trump money. I'll give uh, certain people uh, who are running money, but I'm not giving the GOP money. Not yet, at least. All right, people. Well, uh, appreciate you. Don't forget to go to RadioFreeAlman.com uh, for all of your gear. And I'll have an answer for you later on in the week when it comes to what we're going to do uh, with uh, some new kinds of uh, Radio Free Almond gear. Some people are talking about V-necks. Some people are talking about uh, perhaps even some uh, hoodies. So we'll kind of get that going for you. And then also some people are talking about, oh, I've got new hats. RadioFreeAlman.com, where they've got some new style hats for you as well there. So have a good rest of your day, everybody. Really appreciate you listening. Thank you to Naputi Wellness, NaputiWellness.com. Rick and Tracy Ellis, TracyEllis.com. Golden Oak Lending, GoldenOakLending.com. Proctor spelled like doctor, ProctorDrapery.com. Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell All Estate Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. Thank you to Discovery Design, discoverydesigninc.com for the studio here. And thank you also, of course, ladies and gentlemen, to Santino's Cigars and Cocktails, Vogel Road in beautiful Arnold. And thank you to all of you. Love you. Have a good rest of your day.